Episode number 35. I'm Steven Sierski. Folks, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Today's episode, I have another fellow expat from uh, United States, Illinois, USA. Uh, she joins me today uh, here in Beijing, China. Uh, we actually had to have the conversation over Skype because, uh, well, COVID has sort of kicked up a notch over the last little while and my compound is facing some issues to say the least. Uh, Tatiana McLaren joins me uh, over Skype to talk about some of the things that uh, she's interested in her life in China, uh, especially some of her experiences being a black American woman uh, living overseas. Uh, we talk about life as an ESL teacher, uh, some of the things that are going on in the blogging world and podcasting world and how uh, that's both uh, helped us uh, experience life overseas and at the same time made us a little bit more self-conscious as well. Uh, a lot of recommendations for books and movies and other uh, materials that uh, uh, Tatiana actually keeps her own calendar on her website as well. So if you ever want to find out some of the uh, sources that she is reading uh, for the different months that she's uh, uh, involved in, notably Black History Month, Women's uh, History Month, um, November as well, Men's Health Awareness, uh, Suicide Prevention, and a lot of other social causes that uh, we talk about uh, on this episode. All right, folks, episode number 35 with Tatiana McLaren. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> All right, uh, so then uh, let's begin. Here we are. Uh, it's already, what, uh, Beijing evening, end of November, yeah. leading up to uh, U.S. American Thanksgiving. Canadians had it a couple uh, months ago, six weeks ago. And I have with me today uh, Tatiana McLaren. McLaren? <laughs> My name's complicated. Just call me Tatiana. <laughs> Tatiana. Now, if I pronounce your name wrong, because I've been saying Tatiana, but it's not Tatiana. It's Tatiana. Tatiana. Wait, Tatiana. Okay, right, because uh, it's also a very um, common uh, Ukrainian name, but they uh, they do something with the they soft they soften the second T. So if I pronounce it a little bit differently, that's why. Yeah, fellow expat Beijing, how how is it going in your neck of the woods? Oh, um, well, <laughs> everything's pretty chill here. Honestly, there was a bit of a fear of getting locked down last week, but didn't happen. So. So I panic bought a bunch of groceries for no reason. So okay. there was that. <laughs> but, but it's okay cuz I'm not I'm not locked down so my friends came over and I, we just cooked like a really big meal. So it was it was a good time. <laughs> so uh, have you guys had a lot of those fears of being locked down cuz uh, as we were just talking I'm locked down. I'm I'm semi officially locked down at the moment. I mean typically no. <clears throat> when my school went on my school went online so there was a bit of a concern when my school went online but Honestly, my area has not been locked down yet, so knock, 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 has not yeah. been locked down yet, so, you know. Hopefully not. Uh, not nothing you, too terrible. Do you know, like, have any of your colleagues or anybody, anybody been locked down as well? Oh, yeah. But I don't, we don't all live together. We don't all live it, in the same area. So, like, my right. area is far enough west that we've been okay, but, yeah. People were just like, so, we woke up today and there was a... We're locked in our compounds. And I was like, well, <laughs> all right. Well, sorry, I guess I'll uh, be the only one at the cafe this afternoon then. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right. Well, I mean, we're online, so it's all good to me. Yeah. But the school so, sent us online. So. Um, you're, you're living in Beijing. You're in the west of Beijing. I'm, I'm imagining it's like Feng Tai or someplace like that. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not that south. I'm legit just west. Okay. So Shijin Shan. Nah, past past Haidian. Past Wow. Oh my. <laughs> You're far west. So 
Haidian is north and a little bit east. How are you even in Beijing? Like I'm I'm connected. I'm connected to Haidian. It's like right <laughs> above us, but it's a, like over to the east a bit. Because my wow. school's in Haidian. So yes. That's a far way away. <laughs> okay. Well, that's why we did this online. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. You're you're basically like, like in the next you're like in the next city almost, aren't you? Is it is it, is it still considered Beijing or is it uh, like yeah. the next city? Wow, craziness. Nope, still Beijing. Beijing is huge. It's but I'm like city. out past the fifth ring. Wow. So. <laughs> I'm guessing your rent is a little bit cheaper than mine. I mean, probably, but probably not. <laughs> I, paid, I pay almost 7000 per month. I, I pay six. Okay. So, you have a huge apartment yeah. too or not? I mean, bigger than a hutong. But not like massive, you know. Just enough to fit a media studio in it. Ah, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I was, maybe if I bought less stuff, I could fit better stuff in here. <laughs> Got a lot of stuff I don't need. Just like I'm looking at my apartment, like, yeah, I don't need half of this. <laughs> ah, and uh, it's terrible, isn't it? You start accumulating stuff. Have you lived in the same place for a very long time, or like have Since you moved, I moved around? to Beijing? Really? And how long was that? I got here in 2019, August 2019. Just before the fun started. Just before the fun started. Yep. And you've been accumulating stuff ever since. That's good. I've been in the same place for like six, seven years already. So, and mm. it's uh, you're worse than me. Uh, and you know, we were talking about accumulating green screens and stuff like that. I'm going, yeah, mm, when you, (laughs) every new mic stand is another corner of the room that gets occupied or becomes a new clothesline as I discovered with the, uh, the large, uh, I used to, I had that big frame to hang up sheets and I was like, this is perfect for drying my bed sheets. Oh, nice. Dual purpose. I have a dryer. <laughs> okay. Well, that the okay, case. So you are richer than me because I don't have a dryer. No, 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 no. It was a gift. It was, look, can I even say gift? Uh, one of my friends left. Everybody went home situation, and the yeah. people couldn't get back. She was somebody who couldn't get back, and she had yeah. a dryer. And she was like, "Well, you can just keep it till I get back." That was like four years ago. So <laughs> I have a dryer. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a good. I I, I don't. I, I just have the washer and then the, the clothes rack that the uh, the landlord left here. But that's good. I mean, not 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 many people drying clothes is not a a Chinese thing to do. Like it's it's you your clothes in the the in the window so everyone can see what you wear, and that yeah. is the method that you dry clothes in this country. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I've done that before, but I, I didn't love it. <laughs> it's a little revealing. <laughs> Well, I don't think they look. Uh, I mean, honestly, it, it'd be different if you were in the States or in Canada doing that. And people are like, oh, man, interesting. Uh, but in China, they're like, they're just drying clothes, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it might have. When, uh, <laughs> when, I, lived in, when I lived in Liberia, we had to dry our clothes out li- on, outside because obviously there was no electricity. So there was no running water. There was no, there was, there was, you washed them um, in like a bucket with, a, with an actual washboard. And then you hung them out on an actual clothesline. So when I talk about people seeing your underwear, like it's literally outside <laughs> on the clothesline outside of your house. Yeah. <laughs> like you can see exactly what you've been wearing. It's 
not a good time. <laughs> you, you <laughs> my, said my I, personal favorite is when like the kids would would come by and they'd be like, "You didn't do a good job washing these." Oh, <laughs> I was like, "I don't know how to wash using a, I don't know how to wash using a washboard." <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> well, well like, was nothing it a, like having six year olds yell at you. Was it a boy or girl who was criticizing your washing? It didn't matter. Oh, it didn't matter. They all did. Oh, wow. Just walked by like, this was not done right. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't think I've ever, um, my, my girlfriend hand washes some clothes. Like, and I'm just like, nah, it's not done. Nope. It's sent to the washer or it's not getting washed. Not not going to happen. Because yeah. we've traveled a bit and it's kind of like, I, I take enough to sort of sustain per three day, four day wash cycle. That's it. <laughs> But you yeah. said Iberia, so yeah. you, you, you've been other places other than China as well? Uh, yeah, not very many. Uh, I was a Peace Corps at one point, and so that's where I was. Right. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, it was cool. It was, an, it was a different experience <laughs> than China, for sure. Was that just before China, or when was that? Uh, shortly before China. And I went home for like a, a year in between, and then I came to China. So, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> So, I mean, we got to do introductions. Um, expat, uh, you, what brought you to China? Who are you and what are you doing here? I mean, like, what what happened that uh, this country drew you in? Oh, I guess I, this question is such a fun one. Um, let's see. Uh, so, I'm Tatiana, and I am boring. I don't really do exciting things. That's not true. That is not true. You are a very busy woman. I'm not very, I'm not very fun. Um, let's see what brought me to China. Um, well, there it was twofold, but mainly I kind of wanted to go somewhere where I stuck out, which I know seems weird, but like my biggest <laughs> issue okay. with, I know, I know, like my biggest issue with Liberia was like the experience was such a, a different one because I looked like everybody there. Um, so I got to see it from the inside and, I, and there are el- elements of that I didn't love. So, I kind of wanted to know what it was really like to be a foreigner. Like my white friends who were Peace Corps, they had a different experience than I did. And it was not all positive because they were basically constantly on display and and it was really affecting how they their mental health. And I just couldn't understand what they were talking about. And so I kind of wanted to know what that felt like. So I was like, I'll go to China. Um, so that's kind of what brought me here initially. Where did the idea of China come from? <laughs> Uh, the Peace Corps, actually. Okay. So I I went to the Peace Corps in 2016, but I had been accepted in 2010, and I was supposed to go to China, but life happened and I wasn't able to go. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like always had been like, oh, I really kind of want to go see what it's like. And so when when I was like, I could go anywhere. Where should I go? And so I tried to go to South Korea and do whatever that main teaching thing is in South Korea. I tried Epic. to do Gepic. I, I, yeah, but E-P-I-K. they had one called they had one called Gepic at one point. Yep. Yes, they did. And I I tried to do Gepic, but I guess it was like the year they were phasing it out. So I don't think it's 2018. Yeah, I think it was like the year yeah. they were phasing it out that I tried to do it, and um, like so I just didn't get it, and then I I found a job here, so I came to China. That's uh, wow. Okay, uh, South Korea is where I started my whole stint of traveling overseas. And living overseas. I oh was, yeah, uh, I was part of the Epic program. Program, not the Gepic, because Gepic is um, you, uh, what does that stand for? G government. Uh, I, I can't remember what it stands for. Yeah, I don't know. 
I just remembered that uh, I was watching a bunch of YouTube videos and someone mentioned that that one was easier for black people to get into because that is also something I think about when I travel abroad. <laughs> is it a big concern? When traveling abroad, absolutely. Especially like where you absolutely. where you're gonna where you're gonna teach and work. Um, teaching. But you're working, looking Asian countries, like because I mean you mentioned like South Korea and, and China, um, and I, I'm sure our experiences in these countries are very different from one another. <laughs> I think it almost goes without saying. Um, but like, so what are like what are your sort of concerns when you are applying for these jobs in these places? Oh, well, I mean, part of it's jobs, part of it's cultural acceptance. Because, um, like, at least in the States, there are laws that prevent discrimination. That does not mean discrimination doesn't happen, but there are laws that prevent it. And when you go to other countries, those laws don't exist. And then you're also a foreigner, so there's even less protection. Um, so you have to worry about stuff like that. And then just culturally, how will you be treated? How will you be accepted? How will you be taken? Um you don't really want to go someplace where people fetishize you or where people view you as a potential threat. So it's just kind of yeah. things you have to weigh when, when traveling and figuring out where to work. So, okay. So you mentioned South Korea, uh, that didn't work out. China did. Where else were you thinking yeah. of going? I don't really know yet. I've got a couple of places in mind. Um, well, what but about I'm a couple years ago when you I were want. applying, like when you were thinking of first going to China, what, what were the other options? Honestly, my brain was very much China or South Korea. Because um, right. I'd had that like, I'd had that like, oh, the Peace Corps was going to send you and you couldn't go. You should go complete that in my brain. And then South Korea was just some place I'd heard was friendly to black people. Um, but those are the two places in my brain that were the most like popping. Uh, then there was also Thailand because in uh, undergrad, I was very uh, into trying to work with organizations to prevent sex trafficking. So going to Thailand was kind of like, I would love to go there and work with the girls and help save people. And I have learned that as I get older, the more dangerous that sounds and the more, the less I want to do it. <laughs> There's something about being in your 20s that like <laughs> makes you fearless. <laughs> You don't know, like you don't know all the uh, the the concerns, and that that's actually a good thing because in your twenties you do take these risks, and somehow the world protects a lot of what you do. Now there's some stupid things you can do as well, but I mean a lot of times you you know enough to get yourself into trouble, but you're dumb enough to also get yourself out of trouble because they're like this kid, this person that actually has no idea what they're doing either. So, uh, so you want to go to Thailand? I mean that would have been you Peace Corps. Uh, teaching English and then Thailand uh, with the sef sex trafficking uh, work. I mean, uh, like uh, helping out. That's the, what I the... wanted. So. Right. So <laughs> where does this sort of all fit in here? I mean, what, what made you go with the teaching English rather than go to go to Thailand? Well, a lot of NGOs wanted you to have at least two years of overseas experience. That was kind of where teaching English came in because it was like I had to leave the Peace Corps early because I had to have a surgery and they couldn't do it in country. Um, so I cut my time from, I, I was in two years. So I was like, I need at least one more year. And then I also was like, I could come and save money, which I still have not done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me come save money and get this extra year. And so like my, I did one year in Zhengzhou 
and was like, okay, I want to try a big city. So I came to Beijing and then I got to Beijing and three months later, COVID. <laughs> so just been here ever since. <laughs> locked in, locked down, have nowhere else to go, really. So, like, All um, right. I guess that's what we're doing. Zhengzhou, how, okay, so I gotta have to, I have to ask about Zhengzhou because I've been to Zhengzhou a couple times and I thought it was a, a pretty good city. Um, I, don't, I, I don't love Zhengzhou, love it. But you were only there for three months. No, I was there for a year. Oh, for a year, but, okay. Um, yeah, <clears throat> but I was here for three months when when right. COVID hit. But no, I was there for a year. I loved Zhengzhou. It was great. Um, everybody was. I don't want to say. I don't want to be like. Oh, everybody was always so friendly because that is not true. But the expat community was like really tight knit. The drama did occur a lot. Really? But, <laughs> I mean, where there are people, there is drama. Um, <laughs> but it was so much fun. I had a lot more friends that were multicultural in Zhengzhou. I think in Beijing, it's harder to make, it's been harder to make friends outside of like my American Canadian circle. <laughs> it's like we all just kind of gravitate to each other. And then stay there. <laughs> well, a lot of my colleagues are Brits. We used to have a lot of Scots, but they all left. Like just yeah. this year, all like pretty much a lot of the Scotsmen have left with their families. Uh, a lot of Americans, not too many Canadians. Canadians all left as well. I'm I'm like one of the few that stayed. Yeah, one of my Canadians friends left last year. So yeah, just kind of I feel like we kind of gravitate towards cultures that are similar to ours, and then just kind of stay. And so in Zhengzhou, I had a lot of friends who were from different cultures because we were just all mixed up together. And so you found people you liked. So that's pretty neat, though. Different. Yeah, I loved it. Unfortunately, almost all of them are out of the country now because of COVID. So <laughs> uh, by choice or by force? Like were they like so you had to leave or they had to they they wanted to come back, but they just weren't able to. A lot of them wanted to come back and just couldn't, or by the time they were able to, it just it took too long, and now they've got lives elsewhere. Or it was a lot of that. Or they were in Zhengzhou, and then the job well dried up. And Zhengzhou got hit with that massive flood last year. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's, it has not been easy for everybody there. Excuse me. So, um, yeah, it's just been kind of, they've been in and out. So a lot of them are gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sad, but. Are there still... Is there still an expat community in Zhengzhou? Do you know, or has that been sort of dried up? Honestly, I don't know that I talk to anyone in Zhengzhou anymore. Like, all of my friends that were in Zhengzhou are gone. Um, I'm pretty sure Zach's is still there, because I don't think Zach will ever leave. I think they are. Yeah, fantastic. I messaged that lady. I'm like, you are the reason I come to Zhengzhou. That's not true, but I mean, the reason I show up for work in Zhengzhou is because of Zach's barbecue. So so good. Zach's barbecue (laughs) was the best. I know Zach is still there with Teresa, but I don't know about anybody else. Um, uh, okay, so then quick question. Do you know any place that is similar to Zach's Barbecue that, are, that is in Beijing? Because I haven't found it. Nothing, huh? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> the, that, uh, it's, it's the one. I, I know there's Home Plate. Home Plate does good ribs, but uh, uh, I mean, I haven't been there in a while. Um, I know there's other places that offer things that look like ribs, but they're not Zach's BBQ ribs, so. Anyway, yeah, Zach's is pretty, pretty fabs. Did you uh, have you ever thought about getting out of China in the last? I mean, <laughs> you moved to Beijing, locked down, but you okay. didn't know you didn't know back in 2020 that it was going to be four years and counting, three years and counting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
where would you go if you were to uh, flee or leave the country? Oh, um, I guess it depends on how quickly and why I'm going. <laughs> um. Yes, <laughs> Uh, a nice, a, a nice, uh, genteel, cordial. Uh, you're not being escorted to the border. I mean, you, you've been chosen. You've chosen to leave, and they're not interfering with this. I don't know where to go. Um, Dubai sounds like it'd be a fun place to go. I think uh, that what that's been on my list. Uh, Thailand is still on my list. Dubai, Thailand. I would go home to visit my folks, and then I'd be back out though, because I don't want to be there. Huh. <laughs> what? Why not? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you not watch the news? <laughs> uh, you know, because I was reading your website and I did send you a message about Chicago, and you're like, "I'm not from Chicago." I'm like, "Okay, oh, right." Uh, but you're 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 from Illinois. Uh, Chicago yeah. has a reputation. The whole state has yeah. a bit of a reputation. Um, I, I don't know. I've only driven through it maybe twice, and this was years ago, sort of thing. So. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to be in your home because I don't want to be in my hometown either, but probably for different reasons. I'm kind of, I, I found the fact that I could I could travel, Canadian passport, English, I can work a lot of different places. The job opportunities are far more for me outside of my hometown, even outside of Canada, than they are around the world. But it means that you know there's a certain discomfort that you have to accept. Um, le- learning different cultures and ways of doing things and languages and everything. So how long do you think you would last in your hometown? If, like, you said, cause you didn't want to be there. How long before you're like, okay, that's it. Gotta go. Okay. So like I'm, my, where I grew up is not where my family lives currently. So where my family lives currently, I would probably last a year before it was just time to go. And that's basically what happened last time. I made it almost a year and then it was like, nope (laughs) can't do this and i wouldn't have made it that long except i had to have eye surgery and then i had to recover and then i had to save money which was super hard um but yeah no it was like less than a year before i'd be like it's time to go like this is not this is not for me and it's not just like the i don't want to i don't want to make it seem like i'm not bad mouthing my hometown or my city I'm not even bad mouthing the state. I'm bad mouthing the country. Right. <laughs> I'm over the country. <laughs> like I need a break, and it needs to be longer. <laughs> I've heard this from a lot of Americans who are a lot of expats. A lot of people are fed up with everything that, like, just everything. The whole gauntlet of, um, like the the social media uh, tirades on both sides, uh, like the. Uh, the inequality, and then I guess how the, how's the job market? Because I'm guessing that probably sucks. In my in the city where we live, it's not very great. Um, at least not for I mean it, there there are jobs, but it's not a lot of them. Um, and I don't have any useful skills. <laughs> I say funnily. Um, what is your but, hometown <laughs> known for in terms of, like if um, someone were to rock on up like an Chinese person were to immigrate to your hometown. What what would they and they were to they were willing to take any job. What what would be the first job that they would be offered well, or find? Well, if we're talking where I grew up, that's close <clears> to St. <throat> Louis. They could pretty find pretty much find work anywhere, um, doing a myriad of things. Uh, but it wouldn't be stuff that was very highly paid. Um, because you no, know, like St. Louis, where I grew up, St. Louis was like thirty minutes away. 
So you could go work anywhere in St. Louis and have a reasonable commute if you had a car. Um, where we live currently, I don't know. I wasn't really there long enough. I mean, I was there for like a year and all I could find was temp work for real. Um, there just wasn't a whole lot in the job market, but that was also like four plus years ago. So it might be different now, but I doubt it. Uh, I know my sisters tend to do home healthcare work because that's pretty readily available, but that's also what we call, you know, um, mandatory, like mandatory work. So whenever there's a COVID outbreak, they still have to work. They're essentially employees. rather oh, they're than essential. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it ends up, they still have to work. So there's, it's a bit more, it's not very highly paid, but it's also very dangerous depending on what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I wouldn't recommend it. I feel like if people are traveling to, to America, they should stick to big cities and go to small right. ones to see what it's like. Right. <laughs> well, which big city would you recommend that they, uh, they stay in? I mean, I don't know. I've only really been to a couple. Uh, Chicago is obviously a good one. I mean, America's huge. So I haven't been to very much of my own country. It's a huge country. And then it's an expensive country. Traveling uh, from one be, yeah. part to the other is super expensive. Like, I moved from <clears throat> Illinois to Arizona. And it took me three days to move all my stuff because I drove cross country. It took me three days and cost me at least $600. Because it was like between gas and then hotels and stuff to get from point i mean i say it's it, not bad but who back then i mean probably 600 dollars was a lot of money you know when you're when you're trying to budget yourself sort of thing i feel like it's the budgeting aspect because like yeah. now 600 dollars isn't that big of a deal but when i think about what it was like to be paycheck to paycheck and how long it took to save up the yeah. thousand i had to get from point a to point b it took months just because like if you're working a job where you don't make a lot you can't save a lot so yeah. it took forever i just i would not willfully enter into that situation again. I probably will have to because of karma, but I would not willfully enter into it. Well, this, the whole, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons actually I would, when people ask me like, oh, you can, you know, get out of China, you can come back. I'm kind of like, I, I just do the, the calculation of the amount of money that you could make and the style mm-hmm. of life that I have here. And I don't mm-hmm. live extravagantly although my i think my girlfriend would say yes you do um the <laughs> although with all this podcasting that i've started doing that's helped take down some costs but risen others yeah. um because like i'm buying electronics rather than going to the bar sort of thing right uh, uh. but that being the case you, you do you factor in all those costs my rent my food here uh i don't go i don't pay for a gym because i work out outside but i have the room to work out outside if i were to mm-hmm. replicate this I, I don't know where I could replicate it back in Canada, and I don't know where else I could do it around the world. I and mean, I'm sure there's other places. It's just, I mean, it works for me right now. Um, is this, because I've heard this, the, the whole payment inequality in the States, I, how, what is it? I, I, I have no clue because I've never worked in the States. So I, I don't know uh, just how bad the sort of the pay gap and the, uh, like your um, cost of living actually is. Oh, I did this math with someone once. Um, it, it <laughs> and that's all it needed. <laughs> it depends on what type of job you have. So if you're working minimum wage um, and you're single, you get more taken out in taxes. So if you're a single working minimum wage, maybe you're making, maybe you're bringing home a minimum wage. What is minimum wage now? See, like my numbers, like my, my numbers are off because my numbers would have been from 2016. So I don't even know what it is now. But I think minimum wage 
with a reasonable apartment of like, and that, see, it's, it's hard to say because depending on where you live depend will determine how much your apartment costs. When I lived in Phoenix, my apartment was about 700 USD a month. When I lived in, when I lived in Belleville, you could get an apartment for maybe 400 a month and it was bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but you, the cost of living in Belleville is lower, but you also make less money. Right. So it's kind of hard to say what the take home is because it depends on where you are, what the, what the standard of living for that area is, what the average take home is. Cause you can make 40,000 a year, but if everything costs a crap ton of money, you end up with less money than someone who makes less than you. So it just kind of depends on where you are. So. You've mentioned like half the country at this point in terms of the, at least Am my I? knowledge of this. <laughs> oh, you got Phoenix, you got Belleville, you got uh, Chicago, St. Louis. St. <laughs> Louis, sir. Uh, yeah, I, there are 50. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned three. <laughs> and for all the, I know there is, uh, there's, you know, Canadians are famous for ragging on uh, Americans for not knowing geography, but my geography of the American states is probably horrible. Um do a lot of Americans have that sort of ability, uh, ability that choice to move around and pick where they want to go? Because in my hometown, there was never talk of like, I'm from Winnipeg, the center of Canada. No one was ever going, oh, let's move to Saskatoon. Let's move to Thunder Bay. No one. It was you were in Winnipeg or you moved to Toronto or Vancouver. That was it. Those, those were your choices, basically. Hometown or big city. I think that usually when people move, it's for work. Right. Um, like you might move to a bigger city for a better job or you might move to a small area um, for a better job. Usually it's for work. Everybody I know who's moved, it's been <clears throat> for work or for school. They went to school in a place and they liked it and they stayed. Um, so I don't think there's uh, growing up. I think there was more of that idea of everybody is staying in the same spot, but that was pre-internet. Oh my God. So <laughs> I, Pre-internet. <laughs> What what dark ages are you talking about? <laughs> oh, like because I think the internet, like the internet and its fabulousness, showed up when I was in grade school. So I think even then, though, it wasn't the great connector that it is now. Yeah. You know, because I'll have I'll have I'll have these young twenty year olds. Um, we'll have conversations about. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. We'll have conversations about like different the differences and things, and it's uh. It's. I find it funny because there are things that are just base knowledge to them that I that wasn't available for me to know <laughs> at that time. So it's just kind of like because they grew up in a different era. They grew up where it was always here. So the yeah. idea of just hopping on your phone and going, "Hey Siri," <laughs> went to make sure she didn't answer. <laughs> That's happened a couple times. <laughs> the like being able to do that. They've, they've, it's always been there for them, and I, that was not there. I remember having to use encyclopedias, like real ones. Like actually, you had <laughs> so, to open them, open them up, and actually read them, not use them to open your door, yeah. and like keep them or yeah. make shift weights. Crazy, <laughs> I know, crazy encyclopedias. We actually had A through Z at home. Like I remember encyclopedias. So, um, it's just a different. It's hard to say. It's hard to say what the mindset is now. Because the mindset, when I remember, is drastically different. <laughs> so. are, are the are the kids are they still moving as much as um, you were you did, or that uh, people that you know did? 
like a young 20 year old, mm. young, a 20 year old. Like I, I guess we, I can't adjectify, adjectify okay. them. They're not young. They are, well, they're people. They're younger. These 20 year old kids, I'm going to call them kids. Are they moving <laughs> around the country as much as uh, uh, even your generation, our generation? Cause we're very close in age. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know. I feel like I bumped into a lot of people here in their 20s and that's blown my mind because I I was definitely 30 when I finally when Kudos I finally left them. the country. I was 27 when I finally left the country to go to the Peace Corps. So like I was in I was like 30 <laughs> when I got here. So yeah, like it's the even the idea of being able to be to come here as like to come here to to study high school or to study college is like mind blowing because I just wasn't I remember college, like searching for colleges and it was literally looking through catalogs yeah. <laughs> like I and like sending off for information and then like flipping through pamphlets. <laughs> That's what I remember. Not the, having like, an entrance interview interview over Skype across the world. Yeah. Sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like it's I, the whole idea of traveling to and I was I wanted to travel to another state for college and then didn't because like of. Like I wanted to go to Florida and there were just a bunch of hurricanes that hit around the same time as I was leaving. And I was like, nah, but just <laughs> even then it's just the, even in 2016 or 20, uh, 2006, there was, the internet was still different than it is now. Like Much Facebook slower. had barely oh. taken off. Oh, yeah. Like it was barely a thing. <laughs> I didn't even have a Facebook until college. I think I got a Facebook in 2007. That, yeah, that seems to be the time. I remember uh, uh, there was a girl who told me to get on there. I was like, okay, sure. But uh, it, w- it wasn't for her necessarily, but it, w- it was like what all the work people were doing at that time um, when I was working my temp job at that time. But uh, yeah, that I I fully respect these kids who study <laughs> overseas because uh, I did work at a university where they had this um, that, that dual program, like uh, the international program. So they'd come here for two years and they'd go back to the States for two years or some mm-hmm. some change like uh, Oklahoma State, I think, uh, was one of them. Uh, and Denver was the other uh, university involved. And I'm like, wow, uh, you kids have you're you're brave. Like for me <laughs> at 20 years old, I'm thinking I was not uh, good to travel. Uh, very it just wasn't in my family it wasn't in the conversations it wasn't amongst the friends it wasn't like it was nothing it just didn't exist as a topic uh it was one of those things that if you're going to travel uh you you have to have money and how are you going to do it right and yeah so you know why don't you stay here get a job if you want like real life experience and then a master's degree later and i was like nah i'm getting out anyway it's <laughs> time to go <laughs> yeah yeah, for us it was it was very much military. If you want to leave, join the military. And yeah. I was too fat for the military, so. What you, what, uh, what branch of the military would you have gone into? I mean, I tried for the Air Force, of course. Right. Is Air that the cool one? I don't know. That is that is the that that yes. Not. I will piss off my country. I will not piss off the military. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Say mean things about the country, not the military. The military they, uh, is awesome. This is uh, me. <laughs> this is another huge difference between the United States and Canada that there is a very much there's a military culture in the United States that does not exist in in Canada. Like in Canada, it's like when you leave high school. Again, the same with traveling. There's no talk of going to the military, even really? though if you join the military. And I didn't really understand this. The military pays for everything. Mm-hmm. What I 
and I guess what worried me back then, as, as some kind of kind of worries me now, contracts and commitment and things like this, were that when you join the military, they pay for your education, but you basically sign a contract that when they pay for X number of years of schooling, you serve for X number of years afterwards or Y number of years. This, I guess no one, again, I think I had two uncles who were in the military, but when I actually knew them as people, I didn't really know what they did, right? It's, mm-hmm. So it wasn't a conversation around uh, the dinner table or anything like that. It was my family came from farmers and teachers. That's what we, mm-hmm. we talked about. So that's sort of what we were looking at and uh, things like that. But the United States has much more of a military culture. And you kind of meet people here. It's like, oh, yeah, I served in the military. I'm like, then why are you here if you did? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a different culture. <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Uh, but you came into, uh, you, you got into China. You started traveling. You said at 27. Um, the, what was sort of, uh, what do you remember thinking about that really changed your mind from, you know, being stateside and then going, nah, it's, I want to see the larger world. Oh, I always knew, like, I always knew I wanted to leave. It was just how to get the money to get out. But I always knew I wanted to leave. Like I've always been very much. I remember when I bought my first car, it was a necessity, but I hated it because it meant being tied down and then I remember when I was looking for apartments, I didn't want to buy one because signing a signing a lease meant having to stay in the same spot for a year. Okay, I was like, I've always wanted to just get up and go places. So like, and I knew that I wanted that. And in college, I did do a week in London and loved it. Um, and I was just like, I, I have to go. I have to go other places. Um, Asia was was kind of a happy happenstance because you know Peace Corps was like go, and then I couldn't go, and so it was kind of always in the back of my mind. Um, Europe was kind of where I really wanted to go explore, but you know, Europe is more expensive than most of Asia. So <laughs> Everybody wants we... to go to Europe, that but that <laughs> that currency exchange it, it just kills you. And yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, it's, I've always wanted to travel. I think. And it looks yeah. like you started blogging. I was uh, uh, doing some research here. You started your blog because you're a writer as well. Back in 2010, I, I think, uh, your first blog I, post. Well, I think that was the first one that I found. Uh, yeah. But you started traveling. Website. So Was this before or after you started traveling? Tra- that was, I mean, I did the, so 2010 would have been when I graduated from university. So I went to London for a week. So uh, but roughly after I came back. No, that was after I graduated. I started the blog after I graduated college. Um, oh, gosh, that blog. Like I've changed it multiple times of like try to make it nicer, but the reality is I don't like writing on it. <laughs> it's very it's very purple. <laughs> I love purple. <laughs> I could tell. Uh, I could tell. I was wondering. <laughs> Everybody says that. And I'm like, you know, I could change it to be more pleasing, but then I won't like it. So. Well, the other thing that sort of stands out is that it is very 2010. Like, it looks like it's a very good artifact from that time, from that decade. It, 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 yeah, but it's funny because I, I just made it, like, <laughs> recently. So, like, I, I, I revamped the website. Right, and okay, because very... they're timestamped differently. I was looking at this going, but wait a minute. This says, this is dated this, but it's timestamped this. I'm going, wait a minute. And I'm not sure if yeah. anyone else looks at these things, but I was kind of going, okay, i got to figure out a timeline here at some point 
Yeah, because I, I, I bought a website because I had a, like a blog. And so I bought a website and I imported all my stuff from the blog over. And so that's why the dates are 2010, but the timestamps right. are recent. But yeah, like, but yeah, it's definitely, it's got an old feel to it because I just, I vintage. have not left. <laughs> the vintage It'll internet feels. It'll circle back. <laughs> it always circles back. Well, at least you have it, though. And are you still adding to it? Um, I, I'm not sure what was the latest blog post you have, but I mean, you, you're you not just a blogger anymore. You're also a podcaster and, uh, I guess, uh, a writer, of course, but then you're an event host, event coordinator. Yes. I don't even know what you call the stuff I do. Like, it's in the, uh, I struggled to have names for it because I just kind of do stuff. Yeah, the, the writing hasn't been as intense or as driven because I'm trying to do more stuff out and about, because I feel like I like writing. It brings me some sort of catharsis. However, it's very singular. Like, you're very much by yourself. You're It's isolating. And I, I can isolate myself on my own. So <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to do more stuff that's more connective and more out there. And some of my blog, some of my blog posts have really good information but nobody reads blogs anymore and that was nope. kind of why i was like maybe i should do a podcast but I mean, no one listens to my podcast either <laughs> but it's <laughs> i was like they've got like i was like i want to try to get wisdom out into the world because there's so much stuff that i'm like this doesn't make sense listen I, I promise i have some life experience and listen to me too i don't know <laughs> And you know, because uh, some people ask, they, they ask about my, my statistics and everything. I, I don't even, uh, I used to track my blogging statistics when it first came out. Because that, like, when 2010, 2011, that was sort of a big push to, like, monetize your website. You can work and travel around the world, passive income, this and that. And then when this podcast thing became huge, like, a couple of years ago, I think we started ours at the same time. You you, you started in 2020 as well, uh, or thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, I just ignored the whole analytics i'm like listen kids let me tell you how it is okay first of all no one's gonna listen second of all no one's gonna listen and third of all i'm gonna do it anyway it's it's not so much about you know whether or not um they listen now it's in a year or two years you know you have that sort of uh catalog of stuff to to draw upon uh and i don't know about you and your podcasting, I listen to some of my first episodes and I go, oh, God, that's cringy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I went through a title change. So my first episode was titled Tatiana Talks. Yes, and I liked it. But then I liked it. But <laughs> then I, like, hopped on Facebook and realized there was already something called that. And I didn't want to, like, step on toes. So I just went ahead and I was like, I've, I've had Hopelessly Tatiana for, like, over a decade. I'll just use that. Which then I got, like, my friends were like, I don't like podcasts. I don't say what, what you're talking about in the title. And I'm like, so what should I change it to? I don't know, but find something else. I was like, I don't want to do a third title change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is, all right, okay. <laughs> like, so I guess I'm in, of the same mind as you. Where I, I'm very much, I feel the same way about my podcast as I do about my blog. People will circle back. <laughs> it's there if it's they purple. want to look, right? It'll, uh, it'll I, be... I found cool it very cathartic, very, very cathartic. Uh, a lot of the writing, because um, in my in my 20s, I did a lot of like the, the creative writing and stuff like that. But then when I started traveling, I only started my blog after I started traveling. 
And one mm. of the, the reasons why that I started it was to keep track of everything. And my first couple of po posts were like day zero, day one. Like I recorded the first day that I actually bought my video camera uh, in oh. Bangkok, Bangkok, Thailand. Oh. And when I started backpacking through uh, uh, Southeast Asia after that. So it was sort of like a, a memory and it helped push me into certain circumstances. Uh, it also helps jog my mind, uh, my memory of like where I've been before. Uh, and it helped mm -hmm. me sort of force myself to go through all the photos and the videos. I don't know about you. Do you take a lot of photos and videos like that you just put on hard drives that disappear and they're like, I'm not even sure if it's in this country anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when I went to when I went to London for that one week, I took over a thousand pictures. And like, I I don't think I've looked at them. <laughs> like, I, I remember uploading the coolest ones to Facebook and they became my like profile picture for a while, but. I haven't since really then. lived in them since. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, but it's it's good though, and I, I encourage anybody who um now it's podcasting. Podcasting is a big thing, uh, and I find even for myself, I, I don't listen to many podcasts. Uh, I just there's a few that I listen to a lot of finance, not a lot. I listen to two finance podcasts, and that's about it. But I know people mm -hmm. are on the run, and one of the reasons I went into podcasting is because like I was crafting these two thousand word posts, and you're like you're right, like mm -hmm. no one. No one is going to read it. I, I can embolden the important parts, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, why am I emboldening all the parts? Why don't I just put the, why don't I just put the parts in bold in the post and take out everything else, right?" And I was like, "Well, mm -hmm. if I just create a podcast, then people can listen to my sexy, scintillating voice as they're doing other things." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Am I supposed to co-sign that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I, I don't know if I, I should follow this up, but as like one of the other reasons I started a podcast is because as my mother gets older, I was like, she's not going to want to read my blog that much either. So at least Aww. she can hear my voice instead, which Aww. also may be a commentary that, Stephen, maybe you should call home a little bit more so your mother knows what your voice still sounds like. I know. Bad son. <laughs> bad son. Aw. Yes, bad son. Call home. How, call your mom. How... Uh, <laughs> How uh, how has your experience been podcasting, blogging? Because uh, you, I mean, over a decade writing, and now you are in Beijing. You are, I I said, event coordinator uh, because you do you host oh. these um, poetry readings. You just had one last week, uh, but you run your own podcast. What's been your experience in in running these activities? I I don't know. I'm weird, like. There's real, there's a minor amount of rhyme and reason, um, but I love them. I love the poetry events. They're so much fun. Everybody's so chill. The last one had like a mini concert, which made it even more fun. Um, and <laughs> the last one, I wasn't on stage. Like I, I introduced and I closed out because I had to provide information. But um, for the most part, I wasn't on stage like at all for the last one. And it was cool to sit there and watch. But it also was very much like, I do this because I like being on stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was very clear. Uh, but it was it was fun. Like, I enjoy doing them. I enjoy being able to bring people together in a different kind of a way. Um, and it's fun. Like, you know, it's fun. And I also like to spread awareness of things. So men's mental health was the theme for this one. I've done one. I did a play for Women's History Month. I did a spoken word for Black History Month with all black cast. And I did, like, I do different things. 
depending on what's we did a panel for suicide awareness month you you made that flyer and the one for last last week so thanks <laughs> i am terrible at flyers <laughs> really the worst <laughs> they all look exactly the same i'm not good at it <laughs> I'm just using Canva templates. I'm I'm modifying Canva templates. That's it. But it's uh, just changing things, little elements. That's all. I'm making sure it's balanced. It really does have to be balanced. If it's not balanced, then it looks odd. I use Canva too, and stuff still comes out looking exactly the same. So (laughs) good Uh, job. (laughs) The, uh, so not my forte. The the inspiration for uh, the blog. What was the original inspiration for the blog? Was it just to start oh. writing, publishing your short stories and poetry back then? Okay, this is going to make me really old. <laughs> Uh-oh. I know you're older than me, so I'm probably being extra, but like... <laughs> okay. Not by much, not um, by much. Do you? Okay, cool. Do you remember... Um, a, well, you're not American. Um, classic literature, is that your thing? Which classic? Do you like classic? I studied classics. Yes. I do not... Yeah. I know I was, people who I listen loved, to this podcast, they they read this stuff, yes. <laughs> I absolutely loved um, Ella Montgomery. Um, she's not classic classic. She's not like Bronte Sisters classic, though I do love the Bronte Sisters. Um, but um, Ella Montgomery has this, their, her most famous um, book series is Anne of Green Gables. But the one that I fell in love with when I was little was called Emily of New Moon. And I really identified with Emily's story. And in Emily's story, she was a writer. And what she would do is she would write these short stories and she would send them off to magazines. And then they'd pay and they'd pay her little small amounts. And um, and then eventually she wrote a book and then that got published. There's like a whole story that's not related to the writing that I loved. But I remember being like, I want to do that. And then so in grade school, I started writing poetry and I won my first poetry contest in fifth grade. And then I remember in high school, I'd submit more poetry to different books and stuff like that. And it'd get published, but never win anything. And I guess I just, I kept writing because I kept being like, I really wanted to do, but by our age, that's not something that's really done anymore. Like you can shift stuff off to magazines, but they don't really care. It's harder to find ones that'll publish things. Everybody and their mom wants to be a writer. So (laughs) there's so much stuff shifting there, like being sent there. So it's, I remember just being like, oh, well, this blog was just me trying to be a better writer. And some of it was like diary entries. Some of it is, I, I like to think of myself as kind of the modern day Aesop's fables. So a lot of my stories, the creative writing stories have a theme. There's a lesson that you learn when you read it. Like a, my favorite one is called higher ground, but, um, all of them have something that you should take away that you should learn. Some of them are more nail on head, like butterflies. That one's very clear. But um, others are like you read them and then you kind of take a lesson from them. And that's kind of was the purpose of the blog was so I could write and get that out. And then I guess the podcast came. <laughs> there are many reasons for the podcast, one of which was spite. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> Who were you spiting? <laughs> But the uh, the the thought process that created the idea for the podcast was actually me complaining about Americans not knowing enough about civics because um, my my undergraduate degree is in political science. And the original idea for the podcast was to be very focused on civics. But 
I'm a teacher <laughs> Monday through Friday all day. <laughs> and I get home and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and so that's kind of when it shifted because I tried and I was like, I don't want to write basically a whole nother lesson plan <laughs> and do more. If I had a different job, I think I would be far more interested in being more like, all right. But when my job is so teaching oriented, I was like, I need something a bit more creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I still do heavy topics, um, but kind of took a gear shift towards mental health. That's kind of been the recent focus. I, I don't have, know me. Uh, I just kind of the, uh, like, I, I, this, I think another big difference between Americans and Canadians, uh, that, uh, us Americans, uh, and they love their politics. They love their, their social issues and they love debate and they love all of this. Uh, and the, there's this guy, this, this, I mentioned this, uh, I was doing this, I've started doing this ESL podcast with this guy who's living in Georgia right now. And I asked him like, dude, why don't you start your own current affairs, uh, podcast or your newsletter or blog or something like, because he is one of these guys very enthusiastic about everything like all you name anything that united states is involved in and he is like well let me tell you about the history of this uh and he's been on my podcast before he's a good guy to talk to but I, i've always wondered why more people aren't um maybe there's too many of them i don't know that everyone wants to publish at the same time uh but <laughs> is and the most recent um, description of this is that a lot of americans they talk about like issues, but they don't talk. Po they don't talk about policy, something along those lines. I mm -hmm. wasn't entirely sure uh, what was meant by it. I meant to get clarification, but like a lot of the the debates and everything center around like uh, like issues that you can see on top, but they don't deal with sort of the underlying sort of reasons and um, strings that are sort of pulling things okay. in different ways. Okay, so that was two separate things. So that statement was two separate things. So issues and policies is one thing, and then issues in the historical context is a whole nother. So people talking about issues is like whatever the current issue is, that's what they're talking about. Right. Policy is more about what we can do to fix it. What can we do on a governmental level? What um what bills can be passed? What grassroots organizations? How can we mobilize to create change that becomes laws that becomes permanent? permanently impactful that would be policy and typically especially during political seasons there tend to be more talking points related to issues because people don't care about policy they care about hearing you talk about their issues yeah. um, and part of that is a lack of understanding of how policy works policy is long and it is boring um, it is not fun like drafting bills Sounds drafting great. all of that stuff it is long it is boring and it, it involves a lot of compromise that most people would not be comfortable with. So a lot of times when we criticize people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and even Mitch McConnell, <laughs> a lot of the criticisms come from a lack of understanding of how policy works because there's a lot of compromises that have to be made. So that's kind of what that is. And issues are just hot button topics that everybody can instantly have their cortisol levels, levels rise. Right. Um, the other thing you said were issues and the historical context. That's different. So you can have an issue that has a historical reason behind it. Like uh, one that I can say, because I'm black, is reparations. So when we talk about reparations, 
you've got people they that's a hot button it's an issue and then we'll talk about the policy changes but the policy changes people don't like them because they have historical implications they don't understand so you might understand oh well there was slavery but that was a hundred years ago but if you don't know about redlining and what that did to districts, if you don't understand what gerrymandering does, if you don't understand about the housing market and how they purposely prevented black people from being able to own property, even when they could legally do so, if you don't understand about how gener- generational wealth impacts your ability to get loans, because you need collateral to get a loan to buy a business, you don't understand the historical context. So when we say reparations, you just say, why am I giving you my hard-earned mo- money? And we're saying, we haven't been able to build generational wealth, so we're behind you, even if we work really hard. Right. Um, so that line, uh, that's very, very, very skim the skim the top level. Uh, it's different levels of things, and unlike your friend, I try not to stay too up to date because I am. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to know stuff, but my blood pressure has been a lot better since I stopped paying attention. And anxiety levels, uh, (laughs) sleep habits, um, you know, talking to the wall. Yep. uh, At all sorts of just kind of changes when you get off of Twitter. Uh, To be honest, uh, Twitter has become a source of comedy, uh, not for any of the political commentary, but I follow this account called Festpool, in which uh, British people confess their worst things that they've done before. And it makes me laugh. Uh, It's a whole bunch of just. Silly, silly things that people do all the time. Like it's like <laughs> it's wives getting back at husbands. It's neighbors doing th- your, your dog pooped on my yard. So I do this. It's like people taking Internet passwords and stuff like that and going, well, that's why. Ha ha ha. Your Internet history is so bad. So uh, but it's oh, it's wow. very it's a hilarious account to follow. So that that's become my main Twitter usage. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but you did bring up a, a, a lot of uh, I don't do uh, Twitter. It's a lot of people say it's dead. It's a lot of people saying it's dead. I think there's going to be a resurgence. Uh, The man has been reinstated. Trump is back. Yes, I know. He has not rejoined. Kanye. He he has. And Jordan Peterson have all been reinstated. Peterson never got uh, blocked. I don't think. Did he? I, I heard he did, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah. I try really hard to be as like I don't. I don't want to be ignorant of things, but. I guess I, I kind of think that Americans have PTSD and I don't think that it's, I know it seems, it seems silly, but when you think about the 24 hour news cycle and what's constantly being pumped into the news system, every time you turn on the television, you're being inundated with more traumatic scenes of things while also being told who's to blame and who you're being told is to blame is not the person who's actually to blame. I remember this is before I, I moved um, but I remember being at a bar and I was out with my friends and we're just like chilling. And I used to go to biker bars because I'm a brave soul. And wow. <laughs> first off, they're really fun. <laughs> but like I, I had this like one biker bar I love to go to. And I remember because a biker bar is going to be Republicans. And I'm walking <laughs> in and they know I'm not. <laughs> And I mean, it was fine by the end of it because, like, I, I usually went with one of my friends who was white. And so we I they accepted that I was her friend. Therefore, they accepted me. And soon we were all cool. But I remember being at the bar, sitting there, having a, having a drink and looking up and Fox News was on 
and it was just the news, the actual news where it's like weather and stuff like that. The news was on and just seeing the Fox logo, I could feel my, like I could feel my heartbeat go faster. Like I could feel me flushing. Like I could feel it. There was no audio. It was, it, there was, there was, uh, there was nothing happening on that screen that should have made me angry. But the sight of the logo raised my blood pressure. And I was like, this is not normal. This is not a normal response. And I'm kind of of the mind that Americans are experiencing trauma, like from actual things that happen, perceived things are happening, being told that the bad things are happening to you are these people's fault, and then constantly being flushed with it. Like, this is the first time in history because of the internet and because of the tw- the growth of the 24-hour news cycle that people are exposed to this much bad stuff consistently before you just had the newspaper and you could read it and put it down. <laughs> now it's on, the, there's a, there's a news station. You can turn it. When you wake up, you can watch the news. You can listen to the news on the way to work. You can get to work, play a podcast about the news, come home, listen on Like it's 24 hours. So more analysis, more analysis. And it's all, pre- you know, presenting itself as being the authentic truth sort of sorts. Uh, and I think one of the things that even makes this all this worse is uh, the whole IP tracking and stuff like that, where um, if you Google, uh, so I don't know if you use separate web browsers and incognito and other assisted connection devices that, you know, obscure your source. Uh, but uh, I use a, a variety just so I can't have uh, my my one address tracked. Now, some people say it's tracked to your computer itself. Uh, I don't think so, but... Um, when you Google or when you internet search using one browser, it learns what you do and it only presents mm-hmm. things that you are most likely to click on. And that feeds mm-hmm. you into that same, Facebook got in trouble for this. That was the whole Cambridge Analytics where they were selling this. And one of the issues mm-hmm. that it was that Facebook was just serving people ads that were um, aligned with what they were searching for. And so it was this massive data tracking and makes this whole 24 hour news cycle even worse. It just puts it on steroids almost. Um, Yeah. And when you think about how the brain works, like how many times have you heard something once and been like, okay, that's, that's poppyhock, but heard it three or four times and then had to, and all of a sudden you've heard it a billion times and it becomes a fact in your brain. Even if it's not, you just hear it enough times that you believe it's true and you don't even remember where you learned it. And that happens to all of us. So if that happens with normal stuff, imagine what that's like to be constantly inundated with information like that. It's not healthy. (laughs) So I don't, I don't want to know everything. (laughs) I have been so at peace being unplugged. (laughs) There are some people who say that in 10 years, it's going to be newspapers again. We're all going to go back to newspapers. (laughs) Maybe I can make money printing and I'll be able to send them in my poems. And they'll print them and send me five dollars. <laughs> you'll probably you'll probably have your own newspaper, who? Because uh, uh, it's going to be so cheap. Paper is going to be so cheap in ten years because no one wants to. No one's going to be buying it because uh, it'll be like one of those dirty forms or whatever. But uh, um, so then, with do you, you're saying that you don't follow the news very much, and you you live, we live in China, and do you follow Chinese follow Chinese nope. news at all? But nothing. Nope. Uh, How's your Chinese? No. Do you read the Chinese news? I no, my Chinese is terrible. And <laughs> no. Nothing. Nope. Wow. Uh, nope. That's why you're happy. I know. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. My friends tell me the stuff that's urgent for me to know, and I know it's terrible to depend on my friends like that. But first off, I don't 
read Chinese. So there's that. And two, I live here. So I'm a foreigner in a country that doesn't necessarily want me. I don't need to leave here angry. <laughs> like that's just going to impact my relationships. Uh, tea is making me burp. It's going to impact I, my relationships with people. I agree. I have noticed every time that I go online and I read the Twitters and the uh, the other sources, and if it's ever Western based, it just you just leave disgusted, and it just makes you you just downtrodden. Whereas I, I found that if I read the Chinese news, I'm a little happier. Like it, it's very much more upbeat. Um, they do take a lot of knives to American like policy and stuff like that. Uh, very very straightforward talk about well, the United States has forgotten about this little thing and going wow okay. Didn't even know that happened, uh, but um, they. It's oh, not as the worst. We do awful things. <laughs> it's it, and it's still the biggest market and economy and cultural uh, behemoth <laughs> in the world, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, mean, I, I love I, my country, but I'm also <laughs> aware that it does awful things. Are you? Two of those uh, things can be true at the same time. Have you ever thought about rejecting your American passport? This is Absolutely not. No, never, never, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> no way. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> why not? I don't know. I'm, I don't try to have a whole lot of nationalism, but I'm very pleased with the strength of that passport. I have zero entrance in getting rid of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, nope. Oh, fair enough. Like I think, um, only, I think <laughs> the only way I would I wouldn't even reject it. Like I guess if I if I could find a Brit to marry, so I could have like those two Dual. passports, I'd be good. Right. But no, there's no way I'd get rid of mine. <laughs> not a, not a chance. Well, I see this uh, <laughs> this this guy who's big onto politics. One of his and he's not the only one. And this is very much again going with the you know difference between Canadians and Americans. Um, there is a huge push. In some expat uh, nomadic uh, expat American circles, where they want to get away from the long reach of the United States uh, arm, and typically it's not even just like the culture or whatever it is; it's the tax man. They're all like, "I don't want that IRS coming after my money. I work for it; it's my money." And you're going, "Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's hard to argue with that one." But that that seems to be the big thing is, yeah. They, they want to. I don't make enough money for the IRS to come for me. I think if I was making over a hundred thousand, I could see that argument. But I'm not, so I'm good. So now I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> now to the to to be fair, uh, I've been saying how Americans are doing this and that. Most countries, you rock on up, and you go to the local bar, or you find a podcast, or some event, and nine times out of ten. If it's not an Australian, it's going to be an American. <laughs> so there is yeah, that push. That. It is in, I don't know what happens in your country, but there is a push to produce ideas and do stuff anywhere uh, that that yeah. that Americans go. Have you seen this at all Like in, in your travels? I, I can't just be me, can it? I haven't traveled that many places. So I guess that could just be my <laughs> lack of experience. Um I mean, but I believe you. It sounds something like us being willing to tell the entire world how to think. That sounds like us. <laughs> I don't know if think like me, a right. pub is, you know, telling the world how to think, <laughs> other than having, you know, a drink, is it going to kill you? 
I know I'm I'm teasing, but no, I mean that sounds like us. I think that collectively we're pretty entrepreneurial, so I could see that. I think that's woven into the if if it's accessible to you. I think it's woven into the narrative, so yeah, I could see it. With your events, and um, we uh, we we touched on it, but we haven't really got into the nitty gritty. So you like your your podcast and your your blog and your podcast are very different in this regard, uh, in in a lot yeah, of ways, in that. Your your blog is I would say a lot more like creative writing and creative publications in mm-hmm. that in that way, uh, but your podcast you deal with a lot more uh, social issues, um, Black history. Uh, yeah, we're on Men's Month now, which uh, I've told people men don't forget to go get your doctor to stick the finger up the pooper. Uh, women's history. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you recently did suicide awareness. There was another one I thought that you ha- you had covered as well. Probably. Okay. Uh, there's, there, those are the four that uh, that uh, that came up. Um, what's what has pushed you into this uh, to look at these issues, to broadcast about them, and then uh, continue the dialogue and expose the dialogue here in China as well? Uh, well, the Women's History Month calendar was the first calendar I ever did, <clears throat> and I think it was just kind of, hey, let's let's talk about this stuff. I I wanted to know more. And I was like, well, I'll I'll do this research and I'll tell people about it and we can learn together. And then after that, it just kind of became what other issues do I feel like we need to talk about? I'm very keen on not being pigeonholed. So I don't want ever, anyone to ever be like, oh, this is feminism or this is like only black people or only for people who like I don't I don't we are not one dimensional people. We're not one dimensional creatures. So the idea that there's only one thing that matters to us is farcical. So I kind of want to promote anything that could impact someone or could help someone. A lot of the issues impact me directly because I'm I'm looking up stuff, but some stuff is just for others. Like I'm not a man, but I do believe we should talk about men's men's health. Like I have male friends, I love them. I have a brother. I don't want anything bad to happen. So like it's about being able to connect and raise awareness, but also the understanding that if we talk about these things, the conversations become less taboo. Like the suicide one was a bigger one because it was kind of, I had planned on doing an episode for that like a couple of years ago and it was so hard. It was so hard. I did the research for it and it was depressing. Like I just, the statistics, I didn't anticipate them. Like I went in with this preconceived notion of who was at most at risk for suicide and it blew my mind that it was white men in their 40s, like late 30s, 40s, early 50s, like this like 20 year bracket blew my mind. And I was like, really? And but because when you when at least in America, when we talk about suicide, we're always talking about teenagers. They are the, they're one of the smallest groups that commit suicide. Now, I understand because if you're like seven, 16, 17, you haven't lived. So it's a huge deal. Don't die. Um, but it's, it's crazy to think that people in their forties, we're not even addressing it. We're just like, eh, well, I mean, it's bad. Don't do it. But, and on, I, I guess I, I just found out that on Sunday that, um, Frank, uh, the, the guy from power Rangers, um, the green power the, ranger. Yeah. Uh, yes. I, I can't, Frank is his last name. I know he got divorced yes. uh, Jason, a couple Jason, months Jason, ago. Apparently. Jason, Jason. Frank. Yes, and but uh, like, um, they didn't say why he died, or at least the the reports didn't say. But uh, highly suspect that it wasn't an accident. 
Yeah, somebody mentioned that they believed it was suicide. And I was like, it, but he's in the bracket. Like, he's in that age bracket. And it's, we just don't talk about it. We do not talk enough about the real life impacts of this and what it's like. Or, And because we don't talk about it, when people have those thoughts, they don't share them. And I feel like that's something I, I don't like. I don't like the idea that you believe you suffer in silence. I've said this many, many times. But the cruelest trick your mind plays on you is that you are by yourself. It is the cruelest trick it plays. It is, it's absolute poppycock. You are not alone. There are very few things that are happening to you specifically and have never happened to anyone else in the history of existence. Very few. So the idea that you can become so convinced that no one can understand you, that you shut yourself off, a lot of that just comes from us not talking about things. So I, I guess I, I want to try a normalized conversation and also raise awareness black history stuff is also because i got really sick of people about um and i wanted to talk about it because i get tired of the trauma porn that is the slavery when we trap out the slavery thing i mean it's important and we should talk about it but there's so much more to my culture than just that one thing so, uh, your, your connection got a little, or my connection got a little gummy there. Um, so you you were talking I'm about sorry. we got most of that word cut out was uh, towards the end of your uh, talk about uh, suicide awareness, um, and we got the the first bit of the Black History Month as well, uh, or Black History. Oh, um, the you, I'm, it, it did get the Green Power Ranger in there as well. Uh, you, you're right; it is not <laughs> talked about, especially amongst. Uh, I think I'm not sure if it was. Your group, or maybe you share, I can't remember. Uh, there was a video uh, on TikTok or whatever of a woman dancing, very happy. And then the caption read, this was 24 hours before she killed herself. And it was like, how shocking that Did is you? that. Uh, okay. that. So the there was this video. I lost that, you for uh, a second, but I think you're back. Okay. Um, all good. Okay. Are you there? Okay, cool. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. You're a bit so the, blurry, but I can hear you. <laughs> This video that was on social media had this woman uh, who was dancing and seemed very happy. And then the caption under it said that this was 24 hours before she uh, she she committed suicide. And it's one of those things where you're kind of like, that's kind of disturbing. And it also kind of makes me look at my own actions, like how um, people can seem to be very good on the outside. But then on the inside, they might be dealing with things that uh, either people don't think they're susceptible to or that they maybe they don't want to talk about with everybody but they would talk about with somebody and maybe they don't even know how to do that because especially amongst men i mean you don't you don't hear dude how are you feeling how are you feeling these days there's none of that there there's beers and like you know you know offhanded yeah you know things are okay work sucks this that blah 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 and then move on sort of thing but it's not talked about uh, very much um do you with are you finding the same reception here in China for a lot of these issues that you you talk about um or because it seems like almost like your your podcast and everything is facing the west and it doesn't face inside of China yeah but your events are in China yeah are you finding yeah. reception within Beijing and uh, the country um my events are pretty pretty well received mainly because there are a lot of poetry stuff but my events are pretty well received um i do think that it doesn't really matter if it's in china or out some topics are just hard to talk about period um but i 
think that for the most part it's been well, but I I also so it's mainly English, native English, or people who speak English. They don't have to be native English speakers, but it tends to be received more by English speakers. Um, but I think they've been taken pretty well. The podcast does face West. Uh, so it's kind of when I do the podcast, I'm in a different brain, I think, because uh, like in real life, I'm not always nice. <laughs> but on my podcast, I try to oh, right. be <laughs> as compassionate and understanding as possible because, like I said, I believe that Americans suffer from PTSD, and the last thing you need is somebody else yelling at you. So I, I try to come from a different place um, so that we can try to connect on things. I do get a little antsy and, and aggressive, but I try not to do that too, too much. Uh, whereas in person, I am all of those things. Um, but, yeah, no, I think they've been pretty well received and well appreciated. A lot of people who don't talk in the like the podcast group chat a lot of them don't talk in the group chat, but I'll get messages whenever certain things happen, like the Suicide Awareness Month. Um, people would message me to tell me that they couldn't make it and why, or like I, afterwards they'd message me about their stories. And I'm not going to lie, it was kind of hard because I'm not a therapist. So a lot of people would send me their stories and I had to find a place to hold that, like, like you know, I had to be able to carry it. Um, and that was not easy. But I'm a firm believer of if if I sign up for this, I am also signing up for this for part of the extra that's going to come with it. So I did my best to carry what I could, uh, but I think they're necessary. So even if they're not, even if it's not sold out seats, like the play was sold out, even if nothing else I do is sold out, I I wouldn't stop doing it because I think it's necessary. How do you shoulder this? Uh burden this responsibility because you you probably hear uh I, I mean i don't get very much uh feedback in terms of like oh dude you know this that i do get um steve maybe you shouldn't talk about stuff sometimes uh you should be a little <laughs> bit more uh uh or when someone notices that i've maybe had a beer or two uh, but you how do you deal with the fact that other people are now seeing you um <laughs> that people see you as someone that they can talk to about these issues and uh, that they can confide in you as well. Uh, how, how is, how do you deal with it? The best I can. <laughs> uh, it's a, it is a beautiful, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse um, because it's, it's wonderful to feel that people feel comfortable talking to you about stuff. It is, it's it, it's also hard because I have to carry, I have my own trauma I have to carry and then the people are asking me to carry theirs. Um, but it's also hard because I might not have the response they need, which is why I usually point people towards actual resources like counseling or peer support because I just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not equipped to give them the tools they need. This came up a, like a couple of months back. Um, somebody was talking about, they told their friend something and then their friend like didn't respond in a in the way they wanted. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, well, that person's not a good friend and that person's this. And I was, and so I had to hop in and be like, or <laughs> they don't have the skills to carry. Like, I understand that we want our friends to know everything about us, but that's kind of selfish because you don't know what your friends have been through. So asking them to hold your trauma for you is a big deal. Um and not everybody can. 
So just because somebody can't carry it, that doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean they don't care about you. It just means that they can't carry that with you. It doesn't mean that they're someone who can't. Try to point people to people who can carry it, <laughs> if I can't. And then yeah, just try to be a sympathetic ear. Um, the connection did glitch, but we got got a lot of that uh, with the people are... It, it's asking a lot to put it on a friend and then have them, uh, if they don't respond in the way that you feel like they should, uh, it kind of, I don't know if it makes them anxious, but uh, it sort of puts everybody in a weird position because you're going, well, what do you want me to say? Like, uh, I, because mm-hmm. especially if they haven't gone through uh, similar experiences, it's very difficult. Uh, I, for one, know that I'm a very bad therapist. Um, uh, I think you've noticed me posting in the group I, uh, daily reminders or weekly reminders to do pull-ups and go for runs. Um, I thought that was hilarious because so, I'm never going to do a pull-up. So it, every time I see it, I laugh. I'm like, ha, no. <laughs> Uh, I'll go eat a brownie. <laughs> to, <laughs> brownies are, uh, I was thinking about making them tonight since we got locked down. Uh, but uh, I have found that running, uh, of all things, uh, if I ever feel anxious, any sort of anxiety, that one has been, like, it doesn't even have to be like a full bore run. I mean, we're talking just like jogging. Because um, people are asking me, because like, I work out quite a bit now, and people are like, why do you do this? And I go, honestly, I don't think I could deal with half the stuff that goes on here. And like, it distracts me from so much, uh, and it gets me out there. It used to me used to get me outside until today when I apparently got locked down. But who knows? Maybe I'll lose my mind this week. Maybe this will be the, oh. the ultimate test. Uh, hope not. I have a pull-up bar in my my room though, so I have that covered. Um, but I've noticed that physical exercise um, not only has it helped the anxiety, but it's also stopped me from doing other things such as drinking, which I found was. Although it's fun to think that drinking can help, um, you know, you look back at it, a lot of those instances, you're kind of going, you know, I could have saved the money, could have saved the time, could have saved the embarrassment, uh, and probably could have better conversations over WeChat in two or three sentences rather than complaining about work for three hours at the bar sort of thing. So I found that running, running has done uh, wonders for uh, issues, my own sort of health as well, for both mental and physical. Uh, do you, with your with your work, um, you also because it's you've done suicide awareness, women's history, uh, mm-hmm. black history as well. Um, you is this something that you're bringing into China as well that uh, you talk about in because uh, you do mostly poetry readings, at least the last yeah. couple have been. But are you talking yeah. about racial divisions and um, these these issues here in China as well? China, I oh. steer clear of China stuff. Um, because we're in China and I do not believe in shitting where you sleep. Um, good, so I try point. to avoid issues like that. I mean, I've got plenty of stories about stuff I don't care for that's happened, but, um, yeah, I try to steer clear of the racial stuff that happens in China because I live here and do not want to get deported. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> basically uh, the, the real talk. C- with, with, with your podcast, because I've uh, listened to a few episodes, uh, and I actually thought it was very, very interesting. Uh, uh, and going back to the policy, because there was, oh, I wrote it down. I think I didn't know. I read, I, I listened to one where you're talking about, what was the man who got shot? He got shot. And he was falsely accused. And uh, and it's happened a couple times. Um, I've lost you. Oh, we've lost you. Lost you, lost you, lost you. 
one who got if I turn on my beep. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Wait, okay. You. There, you're moving again. Okay, good. Okay. Um, all right, okay, so... There? There, yes. There, you're moving. Okay, what's... Good, good. Uh, is, is the Veep off? It might work better without that. Actually, I turned it off before, and so I just had to turn it back on. Oh, really? So, okay, my, my yeah. assisted connection device is off, so I think it works best for that. Um, uh, yeah. It's not like it's moving, so I don't know what that's all about. So I don't, I don't know. Okay. There's zero movement on here, so who knows? All right. Well, <laughs> we'll watch it. Uh, so I was listening to your podcast, and uh, there was one episode where you did go because you mentioned policy. Now we were talking about policy before, uh, and you yeah. did. Uh, there was a couple episodes for was it Black History Month or Women's History Month that you were talking about. There was a uh, was a oh, black sorry. man, I think. Oh, you sent me hearts. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know how to work the internet. <laughs> I, we've talked about this. I am very much still in 2010. <laughs> I don't know how to work the internet. That's good. I mean, <laughs> you, you're sending people hearts who listen to your podcast. That, that's good. That's good for a uh, uh, listener uh, uh, accrual, uh, gaining listeners. Um <laughs> So these, anyway. some of the some of the cases that you talk about in uh, on your podcast, you do go into quite a bit of the the depth of uh, the history um, and the issues surrounding it. So like there again, we talked about the issues, the the trend yeah. issues, but then you talk a lot about sort of the historical um, ties that bind, sort of thing that uh, hold yeah. things back. How much of this information did you know before you started, and how much did you you learn? Because you're like, oh, I actually don't know all that much, so I have to read more about and fill in the blanks or whatever it is. It depends on the topic, because there are a lot of things that are, and I want to say part of the Black household, but kind of part of the Black household. So a lot of things I knew that I might have gone back to verify, because, you know, people tell you stuff. <laughs> but it kind of depends on, I'm not sure which episode you're talking about, because I did quite a few of those. But um you yeah, were counting the days, and there was, there was one in particular that stood out. Uh, it was about a man who got shot after being falsely accused of either, assault, uh, not assaulting, but harassing a woman in a store. And it oh, came out later. That like, oh, that sounds like Emmett Till. That's the one. Yeah, that was a little boy. He was about 14. Um, so Emmett Till was the lynchman. He's the, he's the kindling that sparked the civil rights movement. So his help, like, cause, so he's from Illinois. So within Illinois, especially within the black communities in Illinois, he is a, we all know who he is. Um, but when I moved to Arizona, I realized people had never heard of him and it blew my mind. Neither does the Canadian in Beijing, apparently. Um, and, and that's, I, I understand you not, but it was, it, because it was so, we talked about it in school, not a lot, but it was mentioned in school. It was very clear. We discussed it. And I remember my grandparents talking about it. And then when I just traveled, like, a handful of states over like to the west coast and i was talking to one of my white friends and they'd never heard of him and i was like what and then i spoke <laughs> to other people they never heard of him and it just blew my mind that even within the same country we're just not all being given the same information and it was just mind-blowing but it, it went both ways because there are things about arizona and hi the history in arizona i had no idea about um so some stuff i do have to look up 
but a lot of stuff, like at least the the nuts and bolts of it, like the the core, I know because part of it is just part of our history, part of the oral tradition that we carry down and we have to warn our children about and stuff like that. So yeah, like I remember being taught, told about Emmett Hill when I was in legit grade school. So yeah. <laughs> With so it it is a huge issue, uh, the 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 racial divide, and I, it it exists in Canada with uh, uh, the First Nations and yeah. the the white settlers and the colonists. Uh, and I know that Canada has done like Justin Trudeau, the, the current Prime Minister, he's done uh, a lot of work in a, in a seeking uh, uh, what's it the re re uh, resolution or there's sort of re, uh, what's the word paying back. Yep. Reparations. That's the word. <laughs> it's okay. Where, but uh, uh, they talk about the treaties, the deals, uh, how they've been violated, and uh, they now part of sort of like uh, for all the big sporting events. Uh, as far as I know, they have they have to declare what treaty, what land they're on. Oh. So they do. So if the American town, American team is visiting the Canadian Canadian national anthem, American national anthem. And they also state what treaty or what land area that uh, uh, the uh, the game is being played on. Uh, how long can it ever be resolved? Ten years, our generation, our lifetimes, because um, this is one of these things that it's said to be the the original American sin uh, is, is slavery. Can I'd say the genocide of the Native Americans trumps. <laughs> trumps us in terms of original sin <laughs> but it's a close second um oh going forward like how can we go forward i mean given that i mean we live in beijing we are i'm far away from this as well and we've both yeah. talked about not going back to our hometowns <laughs> like yeah <laughs> um, yeah at what point like because if we are still talking about these things uh and i don't know I don't know what would happen if I went back to Canada, to tell you the truth, and like how different my life has been here in China, and then going back and not being aware of all the issues that have happened and like what has been settled and what hasn't been settled. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, th this would be new to me. What do you see happening? See, part of the reason why <laughs> I don't want to go home is every time I go home, I want to run for office, and then I'm like, nope, time to go. <laughs> literally what happens i'm like i get this like we have to do something about this i'm gonna run for oh okay what office uh what office would you run for oh i don't know um when i was when i was younger i used to always want to be governor because that's that's a that's a weird dream for a teenager to have but i did i, I wanted to be governor or a senator that's two different things governors are cool because they are the most powerful person for the state but senators make more money and they are more respected but it's also harder to become a senator. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I, there's, it's, I don't know, man. Um, how long would it take to resolve? It would take multiple lifetimes. Um, and I, is that possible to resolve? Yes. If we put education above all things, I think that part of what's wrong with the world, <laughs> my country, no exception, is that we just don't know enough about each other. We don't know enough about the history. Like part of why 
when I talk about, I think I did an episode on, on George Floyd. I did an episode for voting and Georgian voting rights when the, when we like a couple years back. Uh, but a lot of those things are, I do exactly what I'm, what I told you about earlier, where I, t- I take the issue and then I go deeper to explain the historical, historical context behind said issue. Um, because a lot of that people don't know were and America is so different because you can go one state over and have a completely different set of rules and people don't know that from other countries. So a lot of times I'll have people who will be foreigners for like, for me, it's like people from Europe or Canada who have this idea of what America's like based off of what New York is like or what California is like, but each state makes its own or, or Chicago, <laughs> but each state makes its own rules so the rules in my state could be drastically different or are drastically different than the ones in Alabama. How different? It do, depends. Do you have an example? Because th- you're right. I have no clue. But this also stems like, again, going back to my childhood, I never, ever talked about moving one province over to live no, there. It's cool. It's cool. So I, I, I never, neither did I ever think of moving to like Minneapolis or anything. Yeah. It was just wasn't part of the conversation. So how different? Because um, I guess I kind of think, I wonder if I were to go do a, a road trip through the States, mm-hmm. like what major trespassing could I somehow do going from one state to another? All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's let's talk guns, because that's America's biggest <laughs> thing. Let's talk guns. So if you oh, are wait. if you are if you have a license and have a registered weapon and you carry it, depending on the state you're in determines whether or not you can transport it over the over the borders. So you can register your gun in one state, drive through a state that does not have open carry and be arrested. And that actually happened to someone where her, her gun was registered in the state she lived in and the state she was moving to, she got pulled over in between. Yeah. Okay. And in that state, she was violating laws. Therefore, she was arrested. Um, uh, you talk about drugs, same difference. You can... It can be legal because it's not federally legal. When stuff is not federally legal, it varies from state to state. So, which is why abortion is such a huge deal because depending on the state, you got a problem. So, like for pot, if you're in a state that says it's legal for you to smoke or have so much, then you travel to a state where it is not legal at all. You get pulled over, you're arrested, and depending on the state determines the the charges. Um, uh, California very open with pot. You can open your own business. You can have a pot store. You move over a state or two, and then you can't. So you can have people doing the exact same thing in two separate states, and one person gets a felony. And they could be just traveling, like moving shop from California to the other state, just on the route, they can get pulled over. They can't. So like, if you sell pot in California and then you move it, yeah. having it in that state can be illegal. Exactly. It seems like it's a lottery. I mean, it's not if you know where you're going and you know what you're doing, but no, it's not. It's you definitely can't ship it on a plane. Um, And then when you talk about things like don't, I would not, don't do it. Um, When you talk about things like I can't take it through track, I can't take it on the highway. They'll arrest me. I was going to take it through the airplane. Do not do that. That's because then you're federal. Then you're violating federal law, and that's worse. And, and that's the other part. When you cross state lines, it stops being a state law and it becomes, becomes a federal crime. Federal, right. And so, how, okay, so how much worse 
because this comes up quite a bit, uh, especially when it's uh, uh, racially, seems like it's racially motivated as well. Like when there's the cops and uh, minorities involved, um, they get picked up on these things and it becomes a federal uh, issue. How much worse is it in terms of like the state and then the federal uh, uh, gap? Uh, it depends what we're talking about. If we're talking about sentencing, it depends on what state you're in. Some states have um, three strike rules. Some states don't. Um, some states have <laughs> some like it this seems like it's state. overly complicated. It is horribly complicated. Um, and depending on the crime. Uh, so Arizona, when I lived in Arizona, drinking and driving in Illinois, I'm pretty sure is a misdemeanor. Um, meaning slap on the wrist up till 15 years, depending on what happens or how, how many times drinking and driving in Arizona is a felony, which carries more time and more weight. And they absolutely have to be reported to your employer when you apply for jobs. You should report misdemeanors too, but it's so much worse if you get caught on a felony. Also, depending on your state, if you have a felony, you cannot apply for social services such as food stamps. So let's say you get caught up on a DUI or uh, like if you have any sort of drug related offense, you would not be able to apply for services such as food stamps, even if you become homeless later. So, like there's tied into so many other things that it's like, it's not this tiny little thing where it's like, oh, well, it's the same everywhere. It's not, which is why when we have issues like abortion, which is a huge issue, it becomes a problem because let's say one state, because they already have says it's illegal to have an abortion after a certain point, then, okay, I'll, I'll leave here. I'll go to this state to get it where it's legal. But if they also make it illegal for me to leave the state to get one, because when I come back, I have committed the crime, then I am arrested (laughs) and I can be charged with, depending on how they worded it, a felony based off of crossing state lines. It's like, it, it's crazy. It's not just like, it's not just like a, oh, it's the same everywhere. It's really not. And the degree to which it can be different is night and day. <laughs> night and day. Like, I don't know if you ever watched the movie The Green Book. Um, it's not a great movie. I liked it. But, like, it's not, like, the best movie. But there actually was a such thing for us called The Green Book where it was basically a pamphlet that black people could get that told us which states, which which areas had hotels that were safe for us to stay in in the South mm-hmm. because I mean, it's very useful, but it's you, but the laws are different. It's not just the laws, the enforcement of the laws are different. So maybe it's illegal to do something everywhere, but maybe one air, one area enforces it more than others, yeah. or maybe they only enforce it on one group of people. So it's, it's night and day different. It's not like, I wish it was less, but it's not as huge. The differences are drastic, which is why people want federal protection for things because then States, via our constitution, states cannot make laws that contradict the federal law. So if there's a federal protection, then a state can't make a law that goes against that. They can only make laws that clarify it. Um, but they cannot make laws that directly go against it. So overturning... What do you mean by clarify it? So like this if you sounds say, like another way of uh, getting around yes. a federal law. Correct. Oh, Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so abortion was always kind of a, a, an iffy uh, federal protection anyway. Because it was based off of um, privacy, and there's no privacy implicitly stated in the in the Constitution. There's no right to privacy. Because there's no okay. right to privacy, exactly. They kind of had to create a area for it to fit in. And the problem is, 
that is what they ruled. That's what they said was unconstitutional because there's nothing that specifically says then it should be up to the states, which is constitutional. State says if there isn't, if it's not in the constitutional, then it's a state right. Because America was founded as a state's rights country. Right. <laughs> so federal I, government was supposed to be small, states' rights. It was a different country in its in its creation. The constitution supports that idea of the country. So it doesn't have so if something's not explicitly <laughs> outlined in the constitution, states have the right to make laws about it. It's just it's it's a mess. <laughs> I'm not sure if Canadians I'm listening to this are kind of going, good thing we didn't join them. I mean, I don't, but I mean, we have our own issues as well. It's a, a uh, crazy technical. <laughs> there's two things that come to mind uh, in, in your great summary of the current legal um, matrix that is the United States. Uh, that, was, that was a lot of words. I'm sorry. <laughs> that uh, first of all, that whole, uh, like the federal, and then you have the state laws and you can do this and that. That actually reminds me of stock trading quite a bit and futures trading, because if there's any oh, okay. one thing that I will admire the United States and New York and Chicago for, it is their ability to make money on something. You can buy and mm-hmm. sell calls or options, uh, futures, stocks, ETFs, you name it. They have monetized <laughs> it and you can trade it. <laughs> and now it makes sense. Why? <laughs> oh, well. Uh, number two, the uh, well, number one economic center in the world. Very hard to argue with those numbers and the dollars going through it. Um, but uh, so then this uh, this makes me wonder, and I th- I'm sure this is this conversation, this topic has come up before. Is the constitution constitution outdated? Does it need to be redone? Can it be redone? I mean, as an American, mm-hmm. uh, that is as an American expat, you probably have an opinion of it. Um, as a Canadian, uh, I hear people talk about constitution. It's not in the constitution, but I go, I can't help but think, you know, again, the constitution was a couple hundred years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there a time, and we live in a country that decided to um, restart itself, mm-hmm. could that happen in the States? Oh, hmm. Hmm. All right. I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that question this way. Um, the Constitution has been outdated since it was created. Um, okay. Wow. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm a, I love uh, part of when I wanted to be when, when I wanted to go into politics was because I admired admired the longevity of the Constitution. It's an it's an expertly written document to have lasted as long as it had. However, even when it was created. It was it was it was phrased and crafted in a way to put off problems for future people to deal with. So I and I I, obviously they're dead and I can't ask them and I'm black and a woman. So they wouldn't listen to me anyway. But I doubt the founding fathers expected that document to be as revered the way it is presently. I mean, even things like impeachment, when they created it, they expected it to be used more often. Um, it's not what. Well, well, think, <laughs> how think often of, can we impeach people? <laughs> but think of uh, think of like, think of how, think of like uh, Europe or like England or I don't know about Canada as much. Did you guys can do referendums? Uh, referendums, right? You guys can like, you can do votes of no conscience, right? Uh, yeah, I know, the, no, I know, no confidence. Uh, Votes of no confidence. No confidence, right. right? No confidence. I know the U. I know the UK can. We can't do that. So that was kind of our version, um, because there was there's no way okay. 
for people, the people to do that. So that was kind of what that was supposed to symbolize was the idea is that the house, which is supposed to be representative of the people, would be able to do a vote of no confidence. And that's kind of what our impeachment system was designed to model. So it's just kind of the what we've done to it is we've deified it. And <laughs> because we've deified it, I don't know that we can undeify it right. without breaking the country. Okay. It's kind of what happens. Like even even when we think about our founding fathers, they, they are gods. I I it's like they are the equivalent of Zeus and the the the, the pantheon. Like it's it's they are gods. They can they they did no wrong. The wrongs they did are excusable because they just didn't know. We're not allowed to talk about the bad things they did. It and that creates barriers between conversations, which then creates barriers between change. So I don't see it. I, I hope for a time where we are able to address the fact that it is outdated. Um, Cause I mean, even, even in things of who was allowed to vote when the constitution was written, it was only white men who owned property, which was not a lot of white men. Most white men did not own property. They were leasing or they were, working for people who own property. They were sharecroppers. So it's this concept of, it was, it was very much, um, my friends and I were talking some years back uh, where I was like, the U.S. has always been an oligarchy. And they were like, no, it hasn't. I was like, the, the difference is at one point in time, the people with the most money also were the smartest. That is no longer the case. Now you can have money and not be smart. That is new. <laughs> yeah because before people were also the people with the money had ex advanced advanced educations um had traveled all over the globe and that's just not the case anymore so i i don't like i would love for it to be addressed i just don't see it but that i've been wrong before so that's not answer um, the question, but there's one like guy. There's one. Uh, is he a theorist? Uh, he runs geopolitical futures, and anyone who's listened to my podcast is like, oh, he's still going on about this guy. Heavily political. Uh, created this sort of um, think tank intelligence, a private, not intelligence like CIA, but like a research company. And he has uh, published a book. George Friedman is this, is this guy's name, um, and he writes that this decade of the United States. Uh, fits in with some 80-year-old 80 80-year 80 cycle that keeps on popping up, and that with all the issues that we, we've been talking about here, especially the Constitution, um, that the next decade especially is going to be a huge test for the United States. But that, and one thing that I, I like that he says that this, the the United States system is not threatened, unlike some other places around the world who are their system is threatened by upheavals of the sort that you see in the United States. Uh, so this next 10 years, so what I, like I'm asking you, what, what's going to happen in 10 years? I mean, <laughs> all right, when you become governor in 10 years, I mean, this <laughs> podcast is going to come out. I mean, uh, what, what could be like, change? I mean, 10 years ago, she said. <laughs> um, hmm. What could change in 10 years? Like, I mean, I, I, I kind of I think like back 10 years, we were talking about how the Internet has changed yeah. and how that's yeah, changed a lot, a lot of things. So in 10 yeah. years, how much more will we still have the same issues? Will some things sort of be like, okay, we can't deal with this now. And we'll, we'll rewrite the Constitution so the next generation can deal with it. 
I don't know. Uh, kicking, kicking the, kicking the ball down the. It's very. We're 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 all very good at like let's make this somebody else's problem. Um, I don't know because I mean whoever that guy is, I'm sure he's more knowledgeable than me. So I don't want to tell him he's wrong or tell you that I think he's wrong. I don't actually know that. I, in terms of 80 year cycles, I can kind of see what he's referring to, but. I kind of feel like there are a couple of things that have happened that have made that less in like a predictable thing. The internet being one of them because beforehand people didn't have access to information as fast. Mm -hmm. And now the information that they have access to doesn't have to be true. Um, so I don't know. I could definitely see this next 10 years being a test. I don't know that I believe our system isn't threatened. I mean, oh, we just really? okay, we just why? had I mean, we just had a president deny the election. And then we had a bunch of other people point that ran on the grounds of election denying. And uh, that is one of the cornerstones of us. So if we can't even agree that an election is fair. And so it, I don't I don't know. I will I will uh, on the January 6th thing. Um, yeah. Again, this is one of the reasons why I admire the United States is that. The, the system is still in place, even though uh, a president got – he was impeached. Uh, then he lost the election. He said, no, I didn't. And then a whole bunch of people ran into like the, the seat of the government and said, we're not taking this. What a beautiful country. I mean that you can't go do that. Where else can you do that and still live? I mean you, you can't do that. That is definitely treason. Um <laughs> And how many treason accounts were actually came came as a result of that? I'm not sure. They haven't um, been talked about. Not not a hot not a hot, uh, see we're we're very iffy to call things treason that are treasonous oh, because um, the United States is all anti tyranny. That's true, and because the treason carries the death penalty, um, and that's kind of a hot button issue for us. Uh, <laughs> so the insurrection kind of. I'm of two minds. Definitely always both minds say that was bad. Um, but one mind goes, this is not unusual. Uh, <laughs> this is, it's the first time that they've done it to in D.C., but yes. it is not the first time that a bunch of angry white people with guns have taken over a Capitol building. Like, it's not. Like, legit, just Google a state. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even because what what happens it like I not even oh, maybe like a year before there was was it the pipeline situation there was something where people got mad they marched on their state capital with guns and just kept it for three days <laughs> so like that that's the the and which is what made me laugh a bit about everybody flipping out about DC I'm like but they've marched on state capitals. No one cares. So, like, this was not left. This was not a giant surprise. Y'all were just like, "Oh, they won't do it to us." Like, well, why well, not? Then they like, did. Just, the, you yeah, didn't they, stop them did. in. <laughs> like, so it's not. I mean, I don't that I, the insurrection. I did not view as a threat to my system because brings <sighs> me back to the whole right to bear arms foolishness. But the reality is. The U.S. government has far stronger weapons than most individuals do. Therefore, I'm not overly worried about a hostile takeover like via that way. Right. Um, my concern about our system is things like election denying. 
because what makes most systems strong is people's belief in them. If you're if you lose faith in your system, then you have civil unrest and you don't know who to turn to for protection. And that's when stuff gets crazy. That's kind of the markers of the 60s and 70s, um, mainly 60s. Um, but it's it. Uh, I find that to be more of a threat to our system. The election denying, um, having presidents be like, this didn't happen, they're lying to us. Um, I feel like that's more of a threat than people trying to overthrow the government because they have tanks and drones, y'all. I mean... Hard to fight against a tank when you got a stick. I mean, I'm not sure what you think your like horde of weapons is going to do to a tank, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I and I guess one of the things uh, with the United States is that there is a uh, a litigious system that is in place because we were talking about this policy that there is uh, the they it's not the, the state system isn't like other places where there's sort of your you, you do have social shaming on like social media. Uh, yeah. But one of the big things that um, the state system sort of almost thrives upon is being able to sue people and also to tax them. Because if if someone doesn't sue you, then the tax man just shows up and starts, okay, we're going through your tax records. And that is a pain in the ass as well. No one likes the IRS. Uh, right. So, I mean, it's there's there's other sort of checks and balances in the state system that uh, I, as a foreigner and as, uh, I mean, as much as I and no one don't know about taxes, and I don't know much about the United States tax system. That seems to be one of those common sort of, ah, if we can't make it public, then we'll just do it sort of on the on the other side sort of thing. So, uh, and the state yeah, system has that in place. That's how we got Al Capone. That's how we got Al Capone. I think was on taxes, tax evasion. So, yeah, and it's. Didn't he have an accountant working for him? I guess not. Well, guess the, not. I've heard people say that the, the United States dollar is going to go to nothing and that gold is going to replace. And I was like, I don't know if you do you. Tr- no. How? <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's first off, we don't have there isn't enough gold in the world for that to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, like, the, I mean, the, that realistically speaking there. Uh, and that's part of what's wrong with the American currency is that we used to be we were gold backed, but we have more money than we have gold to back it. So there's. There's no way to do that because there's not enough gold. Well, and that created a whole bunch of other uh, benefits, like credit cards with 0% interest. I mean, uh, you can well, borrow money think... and spend it and not actually have it. Actually, that, that, was more, that was more in the 80s. The decentralizing, the the changing of us from being gold back was actually Nixon. Uh, right around Nixon. Yeah, so that that's not mm, the credit card thing came later, but as a, as a result of that, yeah. So... So then speaking of 10 years time, uh, do you think you're going to be in China in 10 years time? No, <laughs> no, that's not. I hope not. <laughs> Wait, no. If in 2032, oh, I am wow. still here, <laughs> I'm going to need somebody to come explain to me why. Because <laughs> like, no. What do you think would make you stay and what do you think would sort of would push you out? 44, no. Um, I mean, I keep wanting to go home all the time. I mean, because I, I feel like if we could go home, then being here would be less. But now it's kind of like every time I'm here, the more I want to go home. And it's it gets harder and harder because it's not there aren't very many direct flights or it's really expensive to leave and it's not getting less expensive. Yeah. So when I leave, I'm going to have to leave and I can't keep going. Like, I think I, I was I think it'll be 
four, almost five years before I was, by, by the time the end of the year, but since I've seen my family, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, and some people are like, oh, well, you can go and come back. And I mean, probably, but not is, easy financially. Is it worth it? Is it like, so I could, I could see that being a real driver outside of that. I think I'm just ready. Like I never planned on being here this long, which I know is the expat creed. Well, so how long did you think you were going to be here for? The plan was two years, man. Um, That's it. That was the plan. But I mean, I will acknowledge that I got here and then COVID. But yeah, yeah, like, I mean, but I also know that's the expat creed. I'm only staying for a year. And then like 20 years later. um, Wife, kids, husband, (laughs) partner, partner and kids. Yeah. So, uh, um, but no, I think, yeah. Part of my situation this year is trying to figure out how to move my platform or how I would, how I would make my platform, how, how to change it a bit so that I can leave. But yeah, so I, I don't know. Like but you mean like move your stuff online rather than uh, which platforms yeah. are you talking your teaching or your, uh, your podcasting blogging, the, <laughs> the event stuff of all the right. stuff I'm doing. I like that the most. So trying to figure out how to, how to move from point A to point B, but still keep that, um, or create it someplace else without having to start from scratch, scratch. So, or figuring out a place where I could go, where I could just jump back in. Um, Cause yeah, like the events part, I like more than the podcasting a bit more than the writing. Um, so like I, I do it. It's fun. It's fun to be on stage. It's fun to be around people. It's fun to be, it's fun to have those conversations. It's yeah. stressful, but it's fun. Yeah. Do you, do you think you could do what you're doing anywhere else? Like if you were to move back to the States or if you were to Dubai, I mean, is this something that you think that, because uh, it it almost sounds like it's a skills thing. Like it's, it's a transferable skills rather than like, um, you know, direct market access. I could absolutely do it in the state if I picked a big city. So I could okay. do this in Chicago for sure. St. Louis, depending on the market. But actually St. Louis might be easier and it'd be cheaper. Um I, St. Louis, yes. So I guess the states. If I'm in a big city, definitely. Um, it, the issue becomes internationally. It depends on the country, what the country's situations are, how they feel about gatherings, what, what they, what topics you can discuss. Like, uh, like for LGBT month, I might want to do something, and depending on the country you're in, you can't. So, like, it's just kind of figuring out what the rules or societal norms are for different countries and what you can and can't do. I'm not trying to break any laws, but I would like to raise some awareness. Um, uh, I've got a, I've got a thought that I, that I share with people as much as I am for educating the masses, because I do believe that if you know, you should share. I also believe in sharing responsibly because I don't live here. I mean, I live here presently, but I'm not from here and I can leave and I can go home. They can decide I'm out tomorrow and I'm on a plane. So if I spend all of my time trying to change the society, the truth is I'm not going to be the one who has to live with those changes. So being aware of the risks that that imposes to the people who you're asking to take it on and that you don't have to carry it. Uh, that was a, that was something that I brought. That was a lesson I brought back with me from, from Liberia is that sometimes you can have the best of intentions and do the right thing, but if you, you don't live there. You know, so you're not you're not actually on the front lines. So pushing your agenda can have real life consequences. Yeah. So um, I, I kind of move in that space of awareness where it's like I want to raise awareness. I want to help. But I also don't want 
to unnecessarily cause friction that could lead to people being being killed or like rejected from their community with no place to go things like that because it's really easy to be like well you should believe what i believe because what i believe is right and what i believe is right because you know i believe it but i don't have to live with that (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) but the reality is i can go home so asking someone to adapt my faith or my ideals knowing that i'm leaving them here to fend for themselves is a lot yeah it's uh, it it's almost a little odd and i because in china we get called wyberwin uh wyberwin uh, foreigners all the time outside mm-hmm. people and uh this has bubbled up as a racial argument from time to time the whole what do you call a foreigner or is it racist to call them a foreigner uh mm-hmm. but there's things like this where we and currently given the current uh i'm not sure if it's a constitution but the chinese uh social system we cannot get passports and we cannot right. become citizens of china um, whereas any Chinese person could move to the United States, could move to Canada, become uh, a, a passport carriers and, yeah. and dual, a dual at that. So they can be both. But as a result, I mean, we are sort of always separated and there is always that extraction available to us. Um, mm-hmm. If not of our own accord, you know, we have family going, get them out, get her out. You know, they send the helicopters and then they take <laughs> us out or whatever, right? Uh, I don't, no one's sending a helicopter after me. My mom was very Neither. clear about how that was going to happen. <laughs> Mine's like, just don't come back in a casket, please. I told her I'll have them ship an arm. It'll be, it'll be fine. My mom said, you're getting buried wherever you are. Like, oh, yep. thanks. <laughs> so, like, I'll I'll have them ship the urn. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. The So it's like we do have this sort of uh, separation at all times where it's just like we are not here and we can talk about some of these issues. Um, my, my thing has always been like, I thought it was funny, talking about working on farms and then talking about, you know, uh, money and starting your own business and stuff like that. And there is sort of a push to work to to start your own business in China. I mean, you have this as well, working uh, working with the events that you do, but yeah. working on farms. Chinese people do not want to work on farms. They, but yeah. my interpretation of working on a farm is very different. Mine is backpacking through Australia or working with my uncle in uh, in Canada. It's not um, picking rice from a yeah. field in plus thirty weather with very little clothing on. So it's yeah, a little no. bit of a different uh, uh, experience. Um, all right. Well, we have uh, talked quite a bit. Oh, this is one thing. This is because uh, this did. This was on your podcast. Um, okay. Because this, you, you've said this, and this goes back to uh, Black History Month, and how okay. a lot of people, when they meet you, they say this, and I can say that I have never seen Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and I was wondering, I'm going. <laughs> Why haven't I seen Gone with the Wind? Because, I mean, it's one of these classic books. And I go, wait a minute, because my mom never let me watch it. And and why didn't she let me watch it? Because there's a sex scene. There's several, I think. And uh, there's some sort of, there's a sex scene somewhere in there. And I remember when, uh, like, my mom is very Catholic. Not really. Something sexual is in there. And she was like, nope, you're not watching this. I'm like, okay. So I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Never, ever. Now I'm going to have to go watch it. I mean, you should for historical reference. I'm like, what sex scene could you possibly be referring to? I got nothing. I there's, don't know. I, I hope I even got the rape. right movie. <laughs> there's reference to spousal rape. Um, okay. Well, maybe that would be. Yeah, there's like, very clear reference to spousal rape. 
Um, that's really the only thing I could think of. Well, then maybe that would be what it was. Maybe my interpretation. That could be it. <laughs> so it wasn't sex it. then. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. So I've got two major faux pas here. I've got the Constitution and uh, all, uh, all, a lot of historical. I've had, I've had a lot of corrections yeah. going on today. <laughs> oh, no. I'm trying to remember the movie. Like, I'm trying to play at, like, X speed to go through it. And I can't think of a single area. Because, um, yeah, like, there is... The only was thing I Kevin, can think of is was towards Kevin the end. Costner in that movie. No. Oh God. Okay, Gone with that. the Wind is old. God. Old, yep. old, old. Yep. Like Stephen, you fucked that one up. <laughs> Brett Butler and who is who? No, I'm sorry. Clark Gable it. plays. Clark Gable plays Brett Butler. Right. So that's Clark Gable's like pre my grandma. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so okay. Like well, my grandma's I, I, my grandma's seventy three. 74, I think. So, okay, well, yeah. Like, I, haven't, I haven't seen Going to Win. Second, I probably have the movie wrong. Third of all, my mom did not let me watch movies that had any sort of uh, uh, those types of scenes back when I was a child. So a lot of these classic and yeah. all these old movies, I haven't I haven't seen some of them. Um, <laughs> I, don't know if I, I don't know. I don't think I – I don't know where I saw it for the first time. Um, but, yeah, it's I'm, it's an old – it. My reference to that was that a lot of Chinese people, because, and that's part of why Black History Month, I talk about it, was that that's their reference for what slavery was like for Black people. And they don't understand, I guess I had someone say this to me, I don't understand why you guys are so mad right now. You were very happy when slavery was happening. And I was like, what? Where did you get that? And she's like, well, in Gone with the Wind, she's so happy. And I'm like, oh, and that is, that is the fuel for why I get so mad at American media now. Because I'll get into arguments with family members about, like, I hate this movie. Not because of the movie itself, but because that movie makes it here. And then that is the only reference that this whole people have for Black people. And that, I don't want that to be what... I don't need those questions. <laughs> like, I don't need that life. Um... So yeah, that that was I had someone say that to me and it was mind blowing. And then it was like so I mentioned it to another one of my Chinese friends and she's like, Yeah. And I was like, No. <laughs> no. Oh my well, god. Was that better or Why? worse than uh, not getting the sex scene right? right? Oh yeah. Well and, and uh, to, no. because with and they probably didn't know, because I've had this too where I remember when I first started traveling, just some of the assumptions that because you it's very hard to, especially pre-internet. It's a little bit easier now with YouTube and how easy it is to jump over certain uh, firewall walls and stuff like that. Uh, but um, it, you're able to research a lot better than you were 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And I remember when I first started traveling, just some of the ignorance that I had. Some of like just did not fundamentally understand what was going on in other parts of the world. Uh, and yeah, I, it makes me cringe. Almost like sometimes I do today, sort of thing. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess the only other question I have uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, recommendations uh, for all the the um, things that we've talked about were some books or movies um, or resources that we can point to. Where can we uh, find out more about these things? Books, resources, I guess it depends on what the topic is. Um, if we're talking about mental health, 
currently I've been on a, uh, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, Gabar Matte. Mm, yep, said it wrong. G-A-B-O-R, I think. M-A-T-E. I've been on a kick for him. He's he's amazing. He's a doctor um, who specializes. He talks about trauma and its impact on the body um, and addiction and how that impacts the body and stuff. Um, so it depends on what, what you're looking for, what what area of my podcast where you're like, you talked about this. What do you recommend? I've got books for, for which one? You have, because you did actually do quite a few, because you had all these these calendars. You, you're working with this calendar. Um, got quite a few of those, yeah. Women's history. Let's go women's history first. All right. Women's history book. It, it depends on what, where, because each book was different because it was about a different part of women's history or a different thing. Um, if I was to tell someone to read one book from the calendar, um, black, so I'm probably going to go with the black one. So uh, probably Bell Hooks, Everybody is Feminist. Well, feminism okay. is for everybody. Okay. Um, I think that's a good one because uh, before we reading that book i was very much on the don't call me a feminist i'm black and i'm kind of on the don't call me a feminist i'm black but i have a better understanding as to why she said that Uh, so i'd I'd start i definitely recommend that one um for black history month there oh there were so many good ones um mm, mm, i think (laughs) there's so many they got so many good ones i'm trying to think of titles i'm seeing how we you, fight for our lives. Okay. Mm-hmm. That one. All right. That one, how we fight for our lives. Do you yeah, have a list of these books read. on your, because I couldn't find it on your website. I, oh, I know, the calendar should be on there. Um, but I can, I can send you the calendars because the calendars has all the books on them. Okay. Because it, it's just, it was just one book a week. It was one book a week. So, but and yeah, you, the calendars are pretty intense. You read one book a week. I did. And by read, I mean audiobook listen to. Oh, okay. Audiobook. Yes. There's no way. There's no way I could read one book a week if I have to read it. So audiobook listen. Half these books haven't been read yet. Because I have to multitask, and I can do that. Yeah, it's a little bit easier with uh, audiobooks for sure. Audiobooks. So great. Yeah. There, it's oh man, I have so far this year we are at twenty seven books. Yes, twenty seven books this year. Oh, and I, I, the the goal was twenty five, but so I'm, I'm above goal, but not where I want it to be. So, but yeah, twenty seven books for the year. That's pretty good. What uh, various topics or what have you been reading? Oh, various topics. Um, I kind of jump back and forth between different things. Um, some of it is, uh, you know, mental health. Obviously, the eight from the calendars. Um, stuff about trauma, stuff about uh, self-compassion, some stuff that's just fantasy because I like stuff like that. I re-listened to a couple of books that I did not even count. And Patrick Ruffus' book is like 24 hours of listening, and I didn't even count that. But I love him, so it's okay. It's fantasy. He uh, the book, first book is called Name of the Wind, and it's really good. Um, he's described as our generation's Tolkien. Um, so my my reading list goes. It depends on what's going on. I might read something about suicide or, you know, politics or history or stuff like that. Usually, it's about mental health. Those tend to be the books I'm the most interested in. What history books are you reading? Uh, usually when I'm talking history, I'm talking non-date history. So more, hist- more 
analytical. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what's a good one. Like it's like history of things. I don't know if I have my book reading list on this computer. I do um, not have my reading list on this computer. <laughs> I, like, I do, do I a lot of uh, I do a lot of YouTube clips. It's all lots of Joe Rogan interview clips and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, I don't do a lot of Rogan. It, do some of this stuff is interesting. Some of it's you're kind of like, all right, I don't know. I mean, that's why I feel like I a lot know. of times I have to uh, do the uh, cons- like this. Some people can say it's a conspiracy theory, and some people would say it's not because when people there's podcasts like that out there. He entertains quite a few different views, but um, some of the people are kind of going, if this was a real conversation, um, I'm not sure if it would go that way sort of thing. That and yeah. I've, been, I've been busy with my own studies of uh, I, I, my my reading list has been forced upon me. So I have to uh, follow a certain gauntlet at the moment. I, I'm reading a lot of edu- ESL education, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't have any history books this time. I thought I did. But nope, it's it's mainly like histories of people. So there's one that was on the female, that was on the women's history book calendar, Heartberries, which talks about a Native Americans, um, her a, a female uh, her story, and I it was really interesting to listen to. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of these. But I'd say overall they are about mental health. <laughs> I think they're mainly about mental health. Um. But yeah, like I've got the four agreements. Oh, I did put it on here. That makes sense. The Alchemist, I've re-listened to that. That I think there are 27 books. There are 27 books on here and 25 of them are new. Wow. That's that's an insane reading list. I mean, you must have headphones on all the time. I mean, I obviously took some breaks, but... (laughs) That's impressive. Because some stuff I've got, it looks like I've got um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 books that I have started and not finished. Oh, I finished that one. I can move that one up. So that's 28 books. I finished one and I can move it. So is this a plan every year to finish 25 books, like one every two weeks? Or is it like just a goal that you have? Oh, my my plan. Oh, hold up. What just happened? My plan is to uh, to grow each year. So last year I did 20 books. So this year is 25. Next year, 30. I want to get to 52. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you make I know you're but like realistically, we've got like I've got three. We've got like four, six weeks till the end of the year. And I can definitely get through at least two more books. So I might make it to 30. This year, because I'm at 28. Yeah, I could totally make it to 30 before the year's up. That's pretty neat. So, does, okay, so one of my last questions, two last questions, of course. One one is like where people can find you, but also with all this reading, how does this influence your uh, your podcasting, your writing, and then events that you choose to hold here in Beijing? Oh, well, the reading kind of, I, I take something I'm interested in and then I read about it to make sure I'm still interested in it. And then I'm like, let's talk about this thing. So I can at least be informed about things. So I, I say it influences, but I do try to break it up. So it's not just always like self-care or stuff because that listening to stuff about trauma is hard because it's trauma. So I might throw in a couple of fantasy books to help smooth, <laughs> smooth it over, give my brain a break. Um, Cause I'm trying to listen to 
uh, Mattier's book now, and it's it's been hard because it's about trauma, and that you have to be in the right headspace to do it. So like I, there's one book I haven't finished that I started a couple of years ago, and it's Buddha, it's about Buddhism, and it's like I've started it, and I've had to restart it every time <laughs> every time I start it because <laughs> I just can't stay focused. <laughs> which, which book is this? Um, oh, let, let me look for it. the twelve stages. What? Oh, is it even on here? Probably not even on there. It's probably not even on here because I know that I I know I'm not gonna finish it because I've got like a bunch of them that's like oh well maybe you'll finish but I know I'm not gonna finish this Buddhist book. Let me check my let me check Audible because Audible is awesome. In progress, Buddhism. Ah, the heart of Buddhist teaching. Okay. And why yeah, do you have to start that one? Why, why is that one so difficult to get through? It's just it's. Because I, I want to, I want to absorb it. Like I, I picked it up because I was like, well, maybe Buddhism is more my thing, and so I wanted to, like, really absorb it. And it's hard to be in that place where I can. And it's also not easy. It's not easy, like, talking, you know. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've done. A, we've covered a lot. I think uh, a lot of people who read more than I do will appreciate the book re- recommendations um, and because <laughs> a lot of writers as well I'm not are you part of the the spittoon collective as well in uh, yeah okay cheers um, I'm not I'm a very outside person of all that I don't go very much anymore it's uh, all this podcasting has made me and the recent shut-in now I'm closed in for sure uh, yeah, you have but, an excuse that's true <laughs> only seven hours old <laughs> uh, we've talked about a lot. Is there anything else that people need to know uh, about? Uh, what, what, is there anything that we've missed? I don't think so. We've done, done a pretty good so. job. I don't think so. Boring. So what? What kind of mic? What kind of podcast setup do you have there? Oh, uh, microphone. This is a Shuri. Sure. Uh, which yeah. Which one? Uh, that's an excellent question. I don't remember. I, I have to look it up 70. on Talbone. Santi, I don't remember. But I, I, that I that sounds right. That one sounds right. SM7B. You got a nice microphone. I had a crappy sp- mac. I had a crappy microphone, and uh, on my first couple of podcast episodes, first season, you can hear like the microphone randomly cutting out. It's like it was choppy. Was it the computer fan? I think it was the computer fan because I I was listening to going. Is that my computer or is that's not mine? Is it? Yeah, because it's like, and part of it was like the computer fan, and then like I couldn't, I, I was very new to figuring out how it works. I should probably go back and clean that up. Nah, um, don't bother. Leave it. Leave it as it is. But you've also got the, the new, yeah. you got another new toy there, the Personas, I, whatever. Yep, I got that. And then I also have a cloud amplifier for this, because these mics are notoriously very soft. Right. They're very low mics. So I have an amplifier for it, plus the Personas Studio 68C. I think that's really it. Yeah, that's really it. I think you got a better setup than I do. I've got a, a, H, H, a Zoom H4n is the uh, main microphone that I use. It's good microphone. You sound fine. It's been a workhorse. This thing has lasted. Since I got it in 2014. Um, I, I I tried to get these little microphones because uh, uh, I thought maybe I might have more people coming over to the studio for interviews. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, these, the microphones actually aren't uh, as, as good as they, I thought they would, or at least they're not recording the way I want them to. And I'd have to do post-production work, which I was trying to minimize 
by using yeah. better microphones. But all right, um, Tatiana, thank you very much for uh, uh, taking the time. Uh, we've talked about a lot today. Uh, where can people find you and get in touch with you if they want to know more? Oh, um, well, I guess my socials on Facebook, just type in hopelessly Tatiana and you'll be taken to my fan page, um, which I don't post on very often. Sorry, I'm not a social media person. Um, I also have an Instagram, hopelessly Tatiana. I post on that when I think about it. And I have a Twitter, which is Tati underscore McLaurin. I don't post on that super often either. I'm not really a social media person. You <laughs> do have a not... website. Uh, so I, it's hopeless, I do have a website. Tatiana.com, right? Yeah, yep. there it is. Uh, I also don't and post on that very often. I told you, not a social media person. <laughs> what about here in China? In China, Tatiana MCL is my WeChat ID. You can hit me up. Let me know how you heard me and I'll add you to the podcast group. I, I am the most active in that WeChat group in, 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 like of anything. And I think I post in there once a day. Yeah. I don't, and I don't do uh, social media. <laughs> That uh, WeChat group is uh, for your podcast. So if people also want to get in touch with me, I can uh, uh, ship them along your way as well. Just add All right, them right Tatiana. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, and we will we will talk again, and or we'll see you out there in Beijing once I'm free once again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it it was bound to happen. Everybody else got locked down. Now it's my my turn. All right. Thanks a lot, Tatiana. <laughs> thank, thank you for hey, we'll talk again. Bye bye. And there you have it. That's episode number 35 with Tatiana McLaren. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I will have the show notes and uh, tracks all available up on my website, stevensrisky.com. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with uh, Tatiana, uh, you can find her on WeChat or get through to her uh, using the uh, the links, the show notes on my website as well. Again, this episode is available on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and also on my website. You can download the MP3 there as well, stevensrisky.com. Folks. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Hope you learned a lot. I know I did. And uh, we're going to do this again. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.